0: Thank <music> you. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. Your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm your host Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello, and Miss Brittany Brombacher. I
1: noticed you're not at the desk.
0: I'm not at the desk. I'm in fact at the production desk. Oh, she's
1: hey. at a desk there we go not at the desk but a
0: desk yes yes so because i was streaming just a little bit ago some doom eternal at twitch.tv slash what's good games i decided to just do the show from the desk this week especially since stimer is at home and skyping in as well yes
1: here's a busy girl uh, yes
0: Yes Not only is she busy But also I was like You know You probably don't have to drive All the way up here To shoot the show If you have got stuff going on I mean the only person That's been in the studio Recently has been Anthony Carboni If you guys Ew, have missed it Cooties I know That guy You um, have to all been... the whole place Now before I'll go in there <laughs> Well I have been Lysoling But he did bring Dagger I don't know if you saw His adorable puppy No that he I've never met him um, Dagger is great and very cute, and very well-behaved. So hopefully we can all stream together at some point in the not-too-distant future. But Anthony and I had been, you know, kind of working on a creative concept, which we're going to be launching soon, that is not video games related. And he was like, hey, you want to do some streaming? And I was like, actually, it would be really great if we could finally get what's good games up to affiliate status on twitch because so many people have been asking to you know do bits and subs and all that and while you know we still maintain that we're not aggressively pursuing partnership for a variety of reasons affiliate status certainly seems like something that is achievable now so have streamed quite a few days this week including the three of us streamed this morning as well for that ps5 reveal that wasn't really a reveal we going to talk about Question yeah line. we'll
2: talk Question about that point. later we'll have our, our thoughts <sighs>
0: That's Um, But but Brittany and I also want to officially announce that What's Good Games Live is now going to be taking place on Mondays. And we originally were going to shoot for 11 a.m. Pacific time, but I feel like 11.30 a.m. Pacific time feels like it's a little bit more realistic, knowing Uh our propensity for technical difficulties but we are going to be streaming every Monday and we hope that if you guys have not gone over to our Twitch channel or to our YouTube and subscribed and followed and turned notifications on now is a great time to do that so Brittany you want to kind of tell folks what they can expect on Mondays
1: oh my goodness so obviously we still don't know when we're doing this now even though I just recorded a video I haven't published it yet so I might Yeah,
0: no, 11 a.m. is the time
1: (laughs) <laughs> Eleven eight is the time. But knowing us, you're not wrong. Technical things happen. So yeah. So the whole idea of the show is to cover video game topics that we maybe had missed because, as you may or may not know, we record the show on Wednesdays, which means things that break Wednesday evening, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday doesn't always make sense for us to talk about on next week's show because it's old news, and you know we have to stay hip, cool, and relevant. So sometimes we won't talk about those things, right? So a Monday show is a nice little, like, in-between. And then that show is planned to go for maybe, like, an hour at a time. And then after that, we'll take a short break, and then we'll hop into gameplay. So, for example, this coming Monday, Andrea is going to be a big, brave girl and play the Resident Evil 3 demo for us all.
0: (laughs) Uh, Nemesis is going to jump out at me and he might see myself a little. You might.
1: Wear some diapers. <laughs> wear a, we yeah, like,
2: you could wear some diapers, some depends. Wear a big
1: pad, something, <laughs> anything to catch some urine. And, <laughs> and then the idea is that we're going to take the news portion of our stream and upload it to our current RSS feed. So if you're currently subscribed to us on iTunes, on Spotify, you will see, et cetera, you will see What's Good Games Live pop in there Monday afternoon-ish depending on when it gets published, and we're going to take the video and upload it to YouTube as well. So you can catch us, live or not. But if you can catch us live, hop into chat, Twitch, YouTube, no, Twitch, yeah, Twitch, YouTube, and Mixer, and then we're going to incorporate chat and chat with all of you friends in there and take your questions. It'll be fun. It's going to be a good time. Yeah.
2: yeah. To clarify, we're trying- it's those yes, two sir. lovely ladies, not I. <laughs> Wah, 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 on the wah, off
0: wah. chance that there's a day that stiver has a day off on a Monday, maybe she'll join us, but yeah. we wanted to take advantage of the fact that, you know, a lot of us are working from home right now, and our events have been canceled, as we have do- discussed in the last couple of weeks of the show, and so we said, you know, maybe we just start streaming more. Now's the time. Let's start, like, spinning stuff up, and so we're, we're making it happen, and we appreciate everybody's support, and we know that it's it's tough out there right now. It's stressful and every day the situation changes. And I think we all really need to kind of rally together and support each other and not tear each other down and remind us that we're in this together and we have to just do our best to, you know, play our part and follow instructions like social distancing. So <laughs> social sad. distancing to everybody. A new catchphrase of 2020. So,
2: yeah, it's just really my, my life extremes. honestly.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, like social distancing, like not necessarily a bad thing.
2: Oh no, I like honestly, the quarantine life was made for me. Like that's, I and and I'm so grateful for that because I know that it's so hard for a lot of people for numerous reasons. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm like, but I I was born for this. This is my I time. Was
1: born to be aware. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I I mean, I talked about this last week, but after landing from Pax, I was diagnosed with bronchitis, so I haven't really left my house in any real capacity, and. 19 days now i think anyway so i'm used to it by now i'm like okay this is cool i got lots of games you know i got a whole bunch of whiskey but yeah then again you know it's just jason and i we don't have kids we don't have to worry about how you know we're gonna work and wash our kids at the same time so we have it very easy thankfully
2: but yeah no same yeah i have i have it probably the easiest so i'm it's grateful you. grateful for my position in life you have a good one yes
1: But yeah, speaking of streams and whatnot, ladies, we have streams coming up this Saturday, March twenty first. Yes, we do. We do. We have our happy hour Q and A for all patrons at all levels at eleven a.m. That'll go until about noon Pacific, and then after that, we have our after hour stream at twelve thirty p.m. Probably go until one thirty p.m. The idea is that we're going to play Arm and Gelatinous, and Rhi will be joining us. It's going to be a good time. We're going to yeah. So Rihanna
0: talked about this. Sorry to cut you off there, Brett. Uh, Rihanna talked about this game at our PAX East panel if you guys missed that episode and you want to check that out and the team that makes Orange and Gelatinous was like, hey, you want some beta keys to play the game? And I was like, that sounds cool. And they're like, here you go. So we're, we're going to try it out. Yeah.
1: It's going to be a great time. And that's for our, oh, what are they called? Le- Le- Myth- Legendary. Legendary. I can't, I still can't wrap my head around this thing that we've had for o- almost a year now. Still can't do it. <laughs> Just like not clicking, man.
0: Probably because we don't really talk about the individual membership tiers a whole bunch yeah. on the show because we don't tie a lot of content to the individual tiers. Because here at What's Good Games, we love giving you guys specialty access to exclusive things on the Patreon. To you know, hopefully incentivize you to financially support us, but we also want to make sure that the vast majority of our content is available to all of our fans, regardless of their financial situation. And so, because of that, we don't have reasons to talk about the individual membership tiers as much as some of our you know uh, colleagues or peers in the podcasting space do. So that's probably why, Brett.
1: There we go. Thanks for throwing me a frickin' bone, Austin hey. Powers reference. You're welcome. All right, so speaking
0: of patrons, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Faris Muhammad, Muhammad, Marcus Brown, and And welcome to our Patreon community, Dominic, Jonathan S., John Carlos Hardwick, Maddie Gaffney, Brokish, aka The Real Jeff, <laughs> Nick <laughs> Cates, Chip Bigelow, who I feel like was in there like two weeks ago. Ian Casprzak, Chelsea Quick, Enrique Mercado, Game On, Andrew Nyland, Matt Akuna and Timothy Jasnet. Welcome. We have
1: some new podcast reviewers. We have Nathaniel Shun, Devil Crash 007 and they give a shout out to Jeff we have John Dansfield, who says Jeff is their favorite. And then we have finally decanted Cab Sauv. So- cab Sauv? Cab sov- what the- is that wine? Cab Sauv?
0: Cab that's Cabernet
1: Sauvignon. It's a yeah, delicious red wine. You're in your Sauvignon. And special thanks to Oo Woo Woo 11122, who says all they do is complain in shrill voices. That's oh, a yes. one
2: star review that we got.
1: Our lovely one star review. Shout my out voice, to my voice. Very shrill. Oh what is shrill? Like ah,
2: very high like, pitched. Ah.
1: It, it's
0: basically whenever you or I get very excited. Oh, yeah, I thought that
1: was just—is that obnoxious? Same thing.
2: Shrill slash. Sh- no, I it's, mean it it's more be. about the volume and the tone.
1: Uh, okay. Mm, mm. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks.
0: I mean, no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) Exactly. Well, in case you guys missed it, which I'm sure you did not, it was a very busy news week between Xbox One X and PlayStation 5. So let's get into it. But before we do that, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Bespoke Post. If your mailbox is anything like ours, 90% of the time... It's a fairly depressing place. Political flyers, utility bills, unholy amounts of coupons. I mean, who's still printing so many coupons? But once a month, we do have a reason to be stoked. And that's because of Box of Awesome from Bespoke Post. So we've talked about Bespoke Post and Box of Awesome on the show before, and just as a refresher, Bespoke Post sends people only the best stuff every month, no matter what you're into. Box of Awesome has got you covered, from style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear. Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. So we have... gotten a couple of different boxes of awesomes boxes is all of the awesomes <laughs> i don't know what the plural of that that's supposed to be <laughs> correct um over over the last year or so that we've been working with bespoke post but the new one that i'm very excited to get my hands on that we've ordered is called the cantina mm-hmm. now anyone who's ever had mexican food with me knows that i am a sucker for good fajitas and so when i saw that they had a fajita skillet with a fajita tortilla holder plus a little cilantro mini tabletop garden and a citrus squeezer. I was like, this is the one for me. Click. <laughs> so I was very excited for that, and I can't wait to test it out. And, Simer, you're going to come make fajitas with me, right?
2: Uh, yeah. Just yeah, don't put too much cilantro good. on man, and we're good.
0: No, uh, I'll put the cilantro on the side. Because generally I use the cilantro in the pico de gallo, but – I'll keep it all on the side because you're one of those that doesn't like cilantro, right? Correct. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. I still love you. No judgment. <laughs> I get the cilantro is very divisive. It is. But you know what's not divisive, Boxes of Awesome. If you guys are interested in getting yours, you can get started by taking the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Boxes of Awesome just for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. If you guys want to get your very own Box of Awesome and get 20% off your first month at that, you can sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the promo code WHATSGOOD at checkout. That's boxofawesome, just like it sounds, .com with promo code WHATSGOOD, and that will snag you 20% off your first box. Check it out, you guys. They have all kinds of cool stuff, including barware, grooming essentials, and more. All right, Brittany, would you like to read the first story? (laughs) AKA, don't read the first story in entirety because it's so much technical
1: specs. I I went through and I tried to cut all the fluff out. So uh, Tuesday, I suppose it was, PlayStation tweeted out the following, Tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, PS5 lead designer architect Mark Cerny will provide a deep dive into ps 5 system architecture and how it will shape the future of games. So we at What's Good got all excited, and we decided to livestream this, our reactions this morning. Uh, Critical error, because none of us knew what the (laughs) fuck was happening. I mean...
2: Given what they actually... I mean, it's stupid that they tweeted it and put it live in the first place, but they did technically say exactly what it was they going did. to be. They did. You're right, Samer.
1: <laughs> and after I reread this tweet, I was like, oh, my bad. Our bad. Oh, well. It was still fun. It was a good time. You know,
0: what it, you know what it probably was? It was probably a bunch of media outlets talking about the tweet, saying things like, oh, look for the new PS5 details instead of like actually like quote-tweeting the tweet from playstation themselves and then everyone was like oh my god more about the playstation 5 it's gonna be great and then it wasn't great yeah Yeah. i think
1: i think what hooked me was the part where it says and how it will shape the future of games because i'm thinking new features ui but like literally if you take it for what it was like yeah they didn't lie to us this was basically an anatomy lesson for the console Okay, so I'll try to skim more fat off the top of this. So all of the specs are here. I'm not even going to try to say them because it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Tell but me how many flops it's got. It has 10-something flops. I'll get to that. So IGN, <laughs> thankfully, had a whole bunch of articles, 10 foot flops, that I just kind of pulled a whole bunch of info from that put it in terms, I think, even us, even we can understand here at What's Good Games. Alrighty, so just kind of taking it from the top. Sony's estimating it'll take under a month for most developers to get a handle of the PS5's tech, which is even lower than the company's estimated month or two months on the PS4. The solid-state drive, the custom-built solid-state drive, is also key to what Sony is endeavoring to help with developers. Cerny explained that, rather than the PS4 HDD bandwidth of 50 to 100 MB slash S, the target speed of the PS5 is 5 gigs per second at least— and the hope is that developers will be able to use the solid-state drive more easily, load in textures and areas of level more quickly than ever before so as to not have to segment levels with the all-too-familiar elevator rides we experience in games. I appreciate those elevator rides. The core goals of the solid-state drive in the PS5, according to Cerny, are to boot the game in a second, no load screens, design with freedom, more game on disc and on solid-state drive, patch installs, go away. Magic. Install times and the lack of them on PS5 are clearly important priorities for Sony, given Sterny's explanation. Quote, with an SSD, though, no seeks so no need to make brand new files with the changes incorporated which means no installs as you know them today I'm sure to someone that makes a lot of sense the SSC has a custom flash controller which includes 6 different levels of priority for developers to use, what this essentially means is that developers can code what elements of the game need to be prioritized and how they're delivered to the player Cerny also spoke to the expandability of the solid state drive, the kind of storage you need according to Cerny depends on how you use it, a large external hard drive is ideal for players with a larger PS4 backlog, Cerny suggested keeping PS4 games on his hard drive so as to not take up space on the Pricer PS5 solid-state drive space. For playing PS5 games, Cerny says, ideally, players will add to their SSD storage. The PS5 will have a bay that supports some commercial NVMe drives players can purchase to expand their memory. However, Cerny did not specifically list them just yet, so hold off, on buying anything. As for backwards compatibility, Cerny confirmed... PS4 and PS4 Pro Legacy modes will be included for the system to run PS4 games, while the PS5 will normally run in a native mode for next-gen games. At launch, Cerny confirmed the PS5 will be able to play almost all of the top 100 most PS4-played games at the launch of the system, and that 100 is determined by most playtime. There are 4,000 games on the PS4. Cerny described a bit about Sony's Tempest audio engine being used on the PS5, and while it will have many applications for PS5, its 3D audio functionality is key to Sony's endeavors. Cerny said the process will be a multi-year process to properly allow all the variances in how players listen to the games they play. While 3D audio on headphones is more precise, Sony's implementing virtual surround sound for TV speakers, essentially creating a sweet spot for the player to be situated so the speakers can simulate 3D audio. Headphones are the gold standard for audio on PS5 at this time, though. In fact, Cerny was so bullish on how 3D audio could be majorly impactful that he even discussed a future where Sony could theoretically, years from now, custom build and mold audio equipment tuned to a player's ears.
2: I did. That was my favorite part of the presentation because Cerny is just one of those quietly brilliant men. And when he said, oh, I'm going to get bullish now or something, I was just like, but are you? (laughs) Like, I can't imagine you being forceful (laughs) in any situation. You just seem like such a Mr. Rogers type.
1: Mr. Rogers. So another thing to you is obviously Symer's obsession with the teraflops. She cares a lot. About it's such little... a
2: fun word.
1: It is. So teraflopsimer stands for floating point operations per second. I learned this, Mm-mm. and the PS5 will have ten point two eight teraflops, and the Xbox Series X will have twelve. Some people are like, "Oh my goodness, what does it all mean?" Turns out, doesn't necessarily mean a lot because apparently there are other things that go into play, like CPUs and clocking times, CPUs and, uh, and GPUs, C- and yeah, how they yeah, work yeah. together,
2: and yeah. So The the system architecture as a whole, it's basically looking at, if you were looking at like a body and you were like, well, this person's heart beats a little bit faster than this person's heart. However, you have to look at the whole ecosystem behind it and you can't just look at one component. So from what I've read, they are going to perform probably fairly similarly, um, just given the way that each tech platform is. Like Microsoft has a little bit beefier specs, but... The system architecture seems a little bit more refined on the PS5.
1: Yeah, IGN had this weird algebra-looking thing on its website where it did all these little calculations, and their calculation was that the Xbox will be 18% more powerful.
2: Ah. (laughs) I don't get it. 18%? Not even 20, man.
1: (laughs) No, not even 20. So... Uh, We have a question from our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash what's good games. And this comes from Liquid Music Entertainment. And they say, and based on the PS5 in detail spec brief, did you pick up that they didn't say anything about backwards compatibility to PS3 and earlier? Do you think that was on purpose or do you think they still might make it work?
0: It was definitely on purpose. I mean, Sony didn't build that tech into PS3 games. And there's a reason why backwards compatibility was such a difficult endeavor for them during the PS4 generation. I mean, like you could say that PlayStation now is technically considered backwards compatibility, but if when you put them side by side between Xbox's backwards compatibility and PlayStation's, it's not even close of a competition. So I don't, don't hold your breath that PS3 games are coming to PS5. Like I do not think that that is in the cards. I think anything that's available currently on PlayStation now is likely to be available on PlayStation now on ps5 but as far as being able to like put a ps3 disc into a ps5 you're dreaming
1: yeah the PS wake spark. up wake up sir or Next or P-
2: you oh, could oh. make it in dreams oh and there then play are. it on your ps5 because that's backwards compatible
1: there you, you go.
0: could uh anthony and i were playing dreams when we streamed if you guys want to catch the archive of course you know head on over to youtube or twitch and i was really impressed by some of the stuff that we played. So we played a Sonic game that was like a full-on Sonic Adventures game. Just, just in dreams.
1: Isn't that crazy how they have just all Just there. These? Hang been, out. I played a level that was a remake of the mansion in Resident Evil 1, which I thought was really cool. And they also have PT and other scary games in there I wanted to play. But there's no invert option all that for every game so i was getting way too dizzy and i couldn't train my brain so i couldn't play dreams anymore and i was really sad about it Aww. but anyway so going back to your question whatever your name liquid music entertainment music so looking at some of this mark cerny said that the ps5 is basically too powerful for older code which is why they have to do step they have to do game by game basis to get the ps4 games on there so try to imagine them getting a ps3 game on there it'd probably just blow up and turn into a black hole and it would never work.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think the PS3 system architecture was just too different. and, yeah, not, between honestly, and, that and PS4. Not well designed enough for... It wasn't future-proof, <laughs> clearly. Clearly, no, that whole thing was just a little wonky. <laughs> yeah. um, and
1: kind of going back to the 3D audio, I know a lot of people, especially your husband, Andrew, are very excited about this. I don't fully understand the tech behind it, but it sounds like it's going to be really cool that you can get that surround sound... Effect with through just through your TV speakers, which is kind of neat. And at launch, the PS5 is going to have five HRTF options, which stands for head related transfer function. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> cool. And, and this I is love how a had related transfer function.
1: <laughs> so this is how a person's ear receives a sound from a point in space and is unique to individuals, which is why they have to apparently launch with five of them. Which is why they were talking about doing molds of ears and way too techy for me, but still interesting that they're putting this much.
2: Oomph into it what if you like gave you they gave you like wax and then you molded your ear and then you and sent that. it into playstation and they were like here is your custom hr2 oh
1: like you do when you get like the invisalign or the- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 well well um ultimate
0: ears is doing that now actually i did one of those custom in-ear molds ultimate ears of course the fantastic division underneath Logitech Logitech purchased Ultimate Ears, but they do Bluetooth speakers is what most people know them as, those little Bluetooth speakers that we all have are UE Ultimate Ears speakers. They now have a custom in-ear mold. So when you read that, Britt, in the story, I was like, (laughs) he didn't mean that. I think when he said molded to, I think that meant to more like... More like a euphemism of molding, you know, mm. like how you mold a Not person's literally. personality. No, girl, you no, no. Here's the quote. Them. Here's
1: the quote from him. Okay. Maybe you'll be sending us a photo of your ear and we'll choose a neural network to pick the closest HRTF to pick from all of our library. Maybe you'll be sending us a video of your ear and your head and we'll make a 3D model of them and synthesize with the HRTF. Maybe you'll play an audio game to tune your HRTF.
2: Who so no, okay, did really mean, He did really mean a real mold. <laughs> It's a, it's a kink now. We're going to send you pictures. somewhere <laughs> in Sony PlayStation is just a bunch of ear pictures. Everybody send your photos it. of your ears
0: okay. to, to Mark Cerny. Oh, send my God. Oh, my God. Wait, does
2: he have a Twitter? Should we all start sending pictures of our ears? <laughs> he definitely has a Twitter. I don't think he uses it. but I think we should all do it anyway, because then if anybody logs in on that account, they're just going to have a bunch of ads of the ears
1: oh god sam i want you Listen, to send me
2: a picture of your hrtf oh, i'm yeah, not baby girl. i'm
0: not surprised people search for photos of our feet you know why not our
1: ears let's okay. just put it out ears there Ears are gonna be next you know? mark easily... is a
2: brilliant man and he can predict trends and this is the newest trend
1: <laughs> i mean ears i feel like we can easily monetize those so let's do it let's go mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Um, all right okay
0: my face hurts <laughs> I'm smiling. All right, <laughs> let's funny. talk about
2: the next box. The next box. The, Xbox. the next box. So Simon, you want to take this one? Oh, sure. Why not? So, uh, you know, a little bit before PlayStation went on its technical tirade, uh, we <laughs> we got a little bit more information about the Xbox, mm-hmm. aka the Xbox Series X. Um, so I'm not also the same way, Brittany. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the specs off. You can Google them specifically, but I will read a little bit of the breakdown. So the Series X processor is powerful enough to run four Xbox One S games sessions simultaneously. Ray tracing, a major point of pride for both Xbox Series X and PS5, is also delivering apparently incredible results. Dedicated hardware inside the Series X seemingly means that the console can handle more intensive ray tracing than expected, harnessing the equivalent of 25 teraflops of power, (laughs) despite the console's GPU having only 12 teraflops. All them flippity-flops. The quick resume feature continues to sound impressive, um, storing game states in the solid state drive, allowing you to turn off, unplug or update your console and then boot directly back into the game where you left it running. Hallelujah. This sounds amazing. Mm. Uh, So per the blog post, one of the testers on the team unplugged his console for a week, then took an update and was still able to continue right where he left off without so much as a loading screen. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Continue. (laughs) One major point covered in today's news is the benefit of Series X on older games. We've already learned that Gears 5 will have a Series X port free for those who already own it. However, Microsoft has uh, has discussed a curated list of Xbox One games that will work to improve on the new hardware, upping resolutions, and potentially doubling frame rates. The Series X is also seemingly capable of applying convincing HDR effects even to games that weren't designed with that functionality in mind. Digital Foundry was shown both Halo 5 and original Xbox title Fusion Frenzy, uh, release which was released well before HDR was going on, um, running with what was apparently a real-looking HDR effect. This is system-wide and should apply to any game capable of running on the Series X, no matter its age. This tech can also be used to add colorblindness modes to games that didn't support them at the time. That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Microsoft confirmed that the mystery slot in the back of the upcoming console <laughs> will be used to house a proprietary N- <laughs> NVMe SSD card <laughs> designed to increase the internal storage, which is currently one terabyte by default. However, you'll still be able to use USB 3.1 and external HDDs for last-gen games. Owners will also be able to use proprietary, uh, their proprietary whatever SSD cartridges mm. to increase the storage capacity. However, the SSD will only be set necessary for Xbox One Series. X, no X. Goddamn it! This titles. <laughs> Xbox Series X games, specifically, because of the need to optimize next-gen titles for Velocity architecture. Players who already use external storage devices to house Xbox One or older-generation games can easily migrate them to to Xbox Series X. A potential downside of the proprietary NVV ssd however is that buyers will likely only be able to purchase the ssd cartridges directly from microsoft or official partners so you can't just purchase third-party alternatives that could potentially be cheaper or more readily available the xbox series x controller looks very similar to its predecessor but has a few key changes including new buttons ergonomic changes for those with smaller hands and Brittany put in here like Stiver. indeed like me i have small hands and like me (laughs) and better compatibility with non-xbox devices The biggest difference is in how the controller will now be easier to hold for those with smaller hands like me. While not immediately noticeably smaller, the team has achieved that effect by, quote, rounding the bumpers, slightly reducing and rounding a parser on the triggers and carefully sculpting the grips. Mm -hmm. Bumpers and triggers now also have a tactical dot pattern not found on the standard Xbox One controllers. The new D-pad is designed as a hybrid between the two swappable designs on the Xbox Elite controller it has a slightly deeper lowest point, allowing the thumb to sit Ew. more comfortably inside, and will apparently <laughs> allow for easy pressing of up, down, left, and right, while also making it <laughs> easier to perform sweeps or diagonals. <laughs> I love Ooh, that we getting hot okay. in Alright, let's get rolling. As previously seen, the <laughs> controller now has a share button between, the, between and below the view and menu buttons. The controller will now remember multiple Bluetooth devices to allow for faster connections and includes Bluetooth low energy that should make pairing more simple the controller also now has a USB-C port for pairing and connecting it was listed for a thanksgiving 2020 release date but microsoft tells ign that the system is still on track for quote holiday 2020 well thanksgiving is a holiday my friends
1: wow that's a lot i know did you see that it got posted yeah. as coming yeah well yeah mm-hmm. that was funny so
2: you know it could be november it's, pr- so I mean, it's november or december it's probably november it's really not rocket science
1: Yeah, there's a lot here, so I kind of broke down some of the things that stood out to me a little bit. So when it comes to the solid-state drive, the loading times, the game they were using was State of Decay 2, which has been notorious for its very long load times. And typically, it's a 39-second load screen, and I timed it, and on the new one, Xbox Series X, it was five seconds. Whoa! Obviously, it's a lot better. Um, The quick resume is really cool, like Simer was talking about earlier, it lets you pause games and hop into other ones so the games they had on display was forza state of decay 2 or a hellblade and a game called the cave and it was great to see them playing something and then stop and then hop into something and then it's almost it's it is immediate which i think is a cool feature i don't know if that's something i'll use because i tend just to play one game at a time but i imagine if you are a social person you have friends that you play games with them i wouldn't know anything about that and that you you know if like Andrea's playing Ori and Summer's like, hey bitch, let's play Gears. Andrea can just stop her game and immediately hop into Gears without having to find like a save point. I just think that's really cool technology. That's the stuff that I was hoping we'd see from the PlayStation's thing today, but clearly didn't happen.
2: We did get from Oh, go ahead, Andrea.
0: Oh, I was just saying, it was, it, talking about the quick resume, that technology is currently available in Nintendo's classic edition, which I thought was really fantastic. That they took something that was such like a neat little idea in these retro games that clearly have very few assets to load, right, compared to games of 2020 and beyond. that They're saying, did you like this cool feature that you could play with these retro games on this really tiny platform? We're going to make it available with these big games that have lots and lots of assets to load. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to check it out.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then so, the issue with this whole thing is the proprietary... Propri- whatever, I can't talk. Proprietary. Yeah, that word, memory cards. And people are worried that you'll have to, you know, obviously you're going to have to purchase purchase these directly from Microsoft or Seagate, I think is who they're working with. And how much is that
2: going to cost? Because one I mean, terabyte... it's going to be expensive because, I mean... Think back to the Xbox 360. Like, those right. were also proprietary hard drives that you had to buy. Proprietary. Um, mm-hmm. And they weren't cheap.
1: <laughs> yeah. some I saw an article. I don't know who it was. But um, something along the lines of what will need to be sold is about $200 to $200. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's a big, beefy, uh, a big, beefy attachment. But I guess you can just delete all your games off your hard drive. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> don't need else. to afford them. Like Andrea does.
0: Well, I mean, I do. I hoard them. Mostly because I, I'm a collector and I was a physical collector for a long time and we've already talked about why I've started to move away from that. But I think what is interesting about this is that this is like the one very glaring head to head point that PlayStation differs than Xbox on, is that you know, PlayStation made a very clear point of saying they're not gonna have that proprietary software and you're going to be able to use. But he did say we're not done vetting those. Mm -hmm. And so essentially saying, like, don't go out and buy, you know, another external hard drive for SSD right now. We're still going to test some third party manufacturers and they'll put out a list of approved and compatible devices later closer to launch. But I think Xbox is maybe leaning into the idea that if you are going to have external storage, they're going to make their architecture work more you know, seamlessly or efficiently by making it proprietary because they're still going to be leaning on XCloud, Project X Cloud, And I think that's something that they haven't really talked about how Project X Cloud is going to intersect with Xbox Series X and where those systems are going to overlap. But I imagine that for the vast majority of gamers that they're probably going to be, you know, using both services hand in hand if you're part
2: of the Xbox ecosystem. So... Lots, lots to unpack here, for sure. Yeah, I think the one thing we have not touched on that is the biggest deal to me. So what oh. I really think about this next generation, because I do think there's an argument to be made that games are pretty damn good now, Like, but I think what we're really going to be getting with next gen is more performance, right? It's just more um, quality of life, I feel, and one of those quality of life things is of course the fan the fan on both yes. of these uh, okay, it's going
1: okay, to well, be uh, much quieter uh, uh, math, uh, i'm gonna insert a question from patreon.com slash what's good games because i feel like we could tie this in matthew right. Golder. what features do you think the ps5 could have which have or haven't been announced that will make it more desirable than the new xbox uh
2: i mean whichever one's quieter is gonna be my favorite <laughs> there, you there, go. You go. <laughs> there you go there you go but I, the other interesting thing, this is a really random, tiny, tiny nitpick. So on. The, the Series X, they always have been showing it vertically. And now they have, conf- while they have confirmed that, yes, like you can flip it on its side, the logo won't be correct. If you do that, it will be sideways and that will bug the shit out of me. So uh. I'm, I'm like, you really did design this thing to sit vertically. And I don't know if you've seen a media console, but that's not how they work. Everything is horizontal, so I feel like they need to flip, flip that like logo.
1: Pull the what was it PlayStation Two that allows you to flip the logo?
2: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can do it either way. Like I hope, actually, would be really dope if they were like, no, no, we've thought of this, and you but just is, you just this is an actual it. button,
1: though. Yeah, yeah, I saw the. Did you see the banana comparison? They put a banana no. on the Series X to show you how how big it really is. Oh, yeah, I saw scale. someone. Yeah, I well. saw someone describe it as two Game Cubes, ish. Yeah. But okay. going back to your question, Matthew, what features do you think the PS5 could have that make it more desirable than the new Xbox? I'm – like Samira was saying earlier, I'm a simple woman. Just let the games run. Let them run well. And I think it all comes down to exclusives as well for me at this point. I mean, I'm going to buy two consoles anyway, so I guess it doesn't yeah, it's, really. Yeah, it's
2: not really about that, but it does – the user experience on both, um, it's just a little – I don't even want to say laggy, but it can it can feel that way, especially with my the Xbox that I have, which is uh, Xbox One X, I still feel like it's slow like I still feel like when I boot it up, it takes a while to get going and then it takes a while to get into the and once it's in the game, it does fairly well, but like getting to that point feels like you know kind of leading a horse down the road. Come on, Charlie, let's go uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't know. Why not? Um, um, but uh, so if the, if a lot of those experiences can be like infinitely faster and feel a lot snappier, that's going to be awesome for me. And then obviously on top of that, the, the game's running a lot better, the graphics being smoother and crisper, like all that's going to be delicious. Give it to me.
1: Yeah. I think if there's anything that we've seen from this last generation, what makes or breaks you know, The consoles are the exclusives, and I can't imagine there's a single feature out there besides if you're talking about like, the subscription services like Game Pass or the value for your buck that would cause someone to be like, I must have a PlayStation over an Xbox or vice versa. To, it all kind of comes down to what games you can get on what platform.
2: And like what ecosystem you're already fairly attached to, Yeah, because if you already haven't had a PlayStation for a really long time or an Xbox for a really long time, it's hard to leave the library behind and be like, I already have all my shit on this xbox like because i buy all my third parties here or you know whatever same for playstation so i don't think they will have i don't think either console is going to come out with something again like you said Brittany. aside from maybe a service attached to it that's really sexy and appealing Mm. the consoles themselves are going to be like fairly fairly the same
1: yeah flippity flops
2: but we got all the flops
1: all the flops what do you think andrew renee
0: I was just looking up this photo of the banana next to the Xbox <laughs> Series X to see exactly what it looks like. And I didn't realize the, the, I mean, the banana's like, relative because let's be honest bananas, bananas. can be v- very small or they can be big every <laughs> banana is unique and every individual. banana is
1: special <laughs> some are curved some are straighter than others you just exactly
0: pens. some are thicker and thinner who yeah. knows about your banana um so here's the thing that was more important to me though is that they had an xbox one x next to an xbox series x and i have uh, an xbox one x the uh, the gears of war edition that xbox sent to us right here in the studio and i'm looking at it going you know That's not that large. And so I look at how the Xbox One X is technically shorter in vertical height when the Xbox One X is standing on its side. It's technically shorter according to this photo. So I'm like, oh, that actually is, it's not that bad. I feel like it's going to be tough to really understand what the size of this thing is until we see like a person holding it or, you know, see it like in space because right now everything we're seeing is just like marketing photos right yeah okay so the the size of the size of the thing aside because listen size is really not that important at the end of the day what is important is that
1: sorry i cannot resist
0: no exactly i think that i have been very happy with how microsoft and xbox have shaped this generation from beginning to end and they're in a really good place to set themselves up for success. But as you ladies have already said, and we've talked about many times previously, it's still going to come down to is what can I play on my Xbox? I feel like right now the consoles are very close to equal as far as third-party games are concerned. If I'm going to decide where I'm going to play the next Assassin's Creed game, I really... It's a toss-up for me. I played Assassin's Creed Origins on my PlayStation 4. I played Assassin's Creed Odyssey on my Xbox One X. You know, and I think that they both were really fantastic performing machines. And I think that's the thing that it comes down to right now is, like, you're not going to really make a decision based off hardware and performance because they're so neck and neck. Is Xbox forever going to milk the fact that they have more teraflops and they're technically more powerful Sure. But you know what? Horizon Zero Dawn looked real pretty. God of War looked real pretty. Can't play either of those games on an Xbox One X, no matter how much more powerful it is than a PlayStation 4 Pro. so I think most gamers feel that way, too, right? That it's going to come down to what games can I play? What games do I want to spend my money on? And where's my value for my dollar going to be? And I think Xbox's edge going into the next generation is Xbox Game Pass and Project X Cloud. Because right now, Sony still has not given an answer. And while I appreciate that they've dropped the price of PlayStation Now, the offering on PlayStation Now, in my opinion, does not compare to the game offering on Xbox Game Pass. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see from a software perspective, head-to-head, where we're going to be for launch lineup going into the holiday season.
1: Amen, sister. So when do you ladies think we're going to hear something about PlayStation 5? Like the fun stuff?
0: I mean, who knows at this point? I mean, I was going to say maybe around E3 time in June. But now that they've done this announcement here, I mean, they could announce it literally any time. We will definitely see it before the marketing dollar spend happens for the fall. So I'm guessing the next major announcement is going to happen sometime between May and August.
1: Yeah, I think we're gonna get all. Obviously, the Xbox news around E3 time. I think Sony's gonna hold their yeah. cards, to their little chest or big chest, huge chest, ginormous chest, and then we just said size doesn't matter. I know we did. We did. You're right. We
0: did. I, I was. I think mm. that they're gonna allow um, the Last of Us Part Two launch to happen and make sure that they don't overshadow this game because we all know that that game is coming to PS5, right? But they also want to sell it on ps4 because that's its you know primary piece of hardware that you play it on i think that they'll probably let that launch get out and out of the way and then you know they can come in with a really big splashy software unveiling later in the season maybe that's with you know a ghost of tsushima maybe that's Mm. with a horizon zero dawn 2 you know um who knows, but I I don't think it's going to be for at least another few months. I would guess July or June at the earliest. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on that note, let's talk about the other console maker that's still kicking and actually doing quite well for themselves. Nintendo had a direct focused on their brand new Indie World Showcase. So they unveiled this new brand that they are uh, featuring called Indie World. Of course, you guys have heard about the Nindies for a long time. And then they decided, because it's GDC Week, the Game Developers Conference, which has been postponed due to the COVID-19 outbreak, that they wanted to still do a feature. So Brittany and I were scheduled to go and play some of these games and meet some of these developers in San Francisco this week. And unfortunately, we are not there. But they did a showcase. And I was so glad that they featured some of the developers in the showcase. So let's go ahead and just read this little news newscap, newscap? Uh, recap like of news uh, from Newsweek. The latest Nintendo Direct has finished and gave fans a rundown of what independent games are coming in 2020. The March Indie Showcase online presentation offered a closer look at a variety of games for different genres, including first-person shooters, click-and-play adventures, RPGs, and everything in between. And we've compiled these games, so... If we go on over to the Newsweek story, we're not going to go through every single one of these games because there were quite a few if you guys caught the direct that happened earlier this week. But I think some of the standouts, of course, Enter, or excuse me, not Enter, Exit the Gungeon was officially unveiled for console, coming first to Nintendo Switch, which I think is fantastic. And then we've got... Um, Baldo. Baldo was another big one that people were very excited at Stimer, about from NAP sh- teams.
1: Stammer, you should look at Baldo. I think you would really like the art style. It kind of reminds me of Nino Cooney when I they were said de- Balto. <laughs> I know, right? The dog. No. Yeah. Uh, when they were describing this NAPs team from Italy, um, he was saying it unifies action adventure RPG and anime. There's characters, dungeons, puzzles, open world, and uh, it should be worth noting like all of these except for one were very explicitly stated that they are a Nintendo Switch timed exclusive. So these probably this will. looks
2: adorable.
1: Right? I know. I know it's totally your style. I saw it. I was like, "Oh, that looks real cute." Oh Reminds my me? god, yes. Yeah, Baldo it looks really Well, cute.
0: Ho- hold on to your butt. You might be also into to Bark B.ark. From TikTok Games, it's time for pugs, cats, bears, and bunnies to save the solar system. yes. Fuck yeah. Call your friends over to pilot powerful yet adorable ships as you team up against waves of enemies and side-scrolling in this side-scrolling shooter. Um, I just like the
2: description. I mean, it's it's cute. cute. I don't love side-scrolling shooters, but the art is adorable.
1: Yeah, it's really cute. The description on the stream was: "It's a 2D side-scrolling space co-op space shooter." Maybe I had a space more than once. Where you play as one of four, so ro- where you play as one of four <laughs> ferocious animal astronauts trying to liberate the Earth from crazy robots. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." And then um, Summer and Mara also looks like right at my alley. This is a game um, out of Spain, and that's something really cool too about this this uh, Nintendo. What's it called? Indie World Showcase is uh, there's a few games here. You got one from Italy, one from Spain. You have a game from Argentina. It's kind of nice. They're highlighting other you know creators and whatnot, but their developers. Uh
0: yeah, absolutely. But I think probably the biggest developer that we heard from during this direct was Hello Games, which we haven't heard from, you know, since No Man's Sky. They announced their brand new game called The Last Campfire the description says, Discover a beautiful wilderness filled with lost folk, strange creatures, and mysterious runes as you journey to light the last campfire. Experience a truly moving tale of magic and mystery when the last campfire launches for Nintendo Switch this summer.
1: So, worth noting, this is actually revealed back in 2018.
0: What? Yeah. When did that happen?
1: Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at an article right now uh, dated... December 6, 2018, and the title is The New Studio Behind No Man's Sky Has a New Bite Sized Game Called The Last Campfire. Uh, wow. Right, but it's I just been, completely missed that. I think it flew under the radar. But no, this also looks like a very emotional, sweet game, a game that'll probably make you cry in a good way. The yeah. uh, reveal from the developers was really, really sweet. It kind of gave me that um, yarny vibe. From unravel, yeah. Yeah. Now that you mention that, yeah, I guess that is
0: kind of the same, the same vibe. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, But yeah, so there's there's a bunch, you know, Q Games announced Pixel Junk Eden 2. I love Q Games; I'm a big fan, you know, of the the Monster Tower Defense game. And there's there's a bunch of stuff in here. So if you guys missed it, and you're into indies, uh, Nintendo. Did not hold back. Was really bummed that we didn't get the opportunity to play these titles at GDC this week because we were really hoping to get hands on with quite a few of them. But the good news is that a lot of these games are going to be on Nintendo Switch by summer. So not long to wait for sure. I did need to mention uh, that something about this presentation gave me the craziest GameStop TV flashbacks. Huh? So I was listening to this stream and watching it while I was getting ready. And all of the scripting and the VO work, and if you recognize one of those VO voices, it's because it's a recognizable VO voice of um, <laughs> of my friend John Vinyaki, who works at Nintendo. He did great job. He did a great job who also used to be a host for Disney Infinity TV back in the day. And but the the, the way that the scripting was Literally felt like I was back there with Chris, on set reading teleprompter for GameStop TV. I was like, "Wow, it just feels like it's such marketing copy going back and forth between the two hosts." And like, that's not bad. It just felt really canned in a way. But I, I don't know why. Like every, I was listening to the stream watching the gameplay and going just like every time the vo would come on i would just like twitch a little bit and like oh my gosh am i back on set am i reading scripts again <laughs> <laughs> but i did really love how they had messages from the developers you got to see their faces and hear from those people who we would have gotten to hear from if we were at the game developers conference this week so i thought that that was a really nice touch from nintendo so great job anywho
1: woo. Uh, All right, moving on. Speaking of GDC, Brit, what's the (laughs) next story? You'll be able to play GDC 2020 game demos at home on Steam. This comes from Destructoid. So last year, the Game Awards organizer Jeff Keeley helped put together a stay-at-home video game sh- demo showcase on Steam called the Game Festival. The second iteration, the 2020 Steam Game Festival Spring Edition, began at 10 a.m. Pacific on March 18, 2020, that is today, with free demos for a, quote, selection of new and upcoming games. The limited-time PC game demos will be playable until March 23rd. At 10 a.m. Pacific, there are 40-plus game demos that otherwise would have appeared at the 2020 Game Developers Conference were it not for the pandemic we're currently facing. The Game Festival is now live and includes demos for Chikaroy, Haven, Garden Story, Curious Expedition 2, Heavenly Bodies, and a bunch of other indie mega booth in Day of the Devs games. Keeley says the team is planning to run, quote, more editions of the festival throughout the year to connect gamers around the world to co- to content you can play at home. And as for the current PC-only caveat, the organizers are also working hard to make the festival available on more platforms too. Very
2: cool. Very nice. It's a very. I mean, nice, they cool worked thing. really hard to get these demos going, so it's nice that they didn't. We're not in vain, and people will still be able to play them.
1: Right. Uh, one of the games that's also available is She Dreams Elsewhere, which is the game I was talking about last week. Uh, You should check that game out. Another shout out to it. Someone tweeted to Jeff about doing something similar for E3, and he said that he's working on it.
2: I'm trying. Oh, that'd be nice. I mean, I don't know if people stopped working on those demos already to be like, "Well, screw it. I guess we just work on the game now." Yeah.
1: Someone said, "Save us, Jeff. You're our only hope." Regarding filling the void of no E3, and he said, "Working on it." Um, Jeff
0: is not your only hope. Okay. I've heard whispers of things happening as well that are not Jeff Keighley related, though Jeff Keighley is phenomenal. And as far as I'm aware, he's trying to maintain the game critics awards that always happen around E3. But of course, we're trying to figure out what that looks like and how we're going to accomplish that. But not when I say we, I don't mean like me and Jeff are like in cahoots <laughs> about how to do that. I mean he, as an organization, is trying to figure out with <laughs> the other judges about what to do if there's people that are willing to participate and what that looks like. So, but hopefully it, it all works out because I think that those developers deserve recognition for all that hard work.
1: Yeah, it's true. All right, and then we have some in case you missed it. Flow.
2: Yeah. All right, but- number. Oh, oh, to I was it? gonna read some. Oh yeah, well, why, don't we, why don't we do one each? Okay. Oh, so or we cute. Can it's like pass the baton. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm in. Okay, so, I'll take or... the last one. Maybe then. Sure. No middle one. I'll take the middle one. Okay. Uh, Resident Evil Three demo is coming Thursday, March nineteenth, which is you know yesterday if you're <laughs> listening to this. And Resident Evil Resistance Open Beta is arriving March twenty seventh, a week before Resident Evil Three releases. Capcom Asia's YouTube channel has a four-minute Raccoon City incident report that does a good job at giving you Resident Evil backstory, if you need it.
1: Yeah, play the shit out of it. I definitely need
2: it. I mean, like, I have Brittany, but, you know, I'm a
1: visual
0: learner. So maybe, Brittany, if you could Microsoft paint me the story of Resident (laughs) Evil up until the demo, then I'll be okay. And if you want to see that happen, twitch.tv slash what'sgoodgames. We're going to be streaming the Resident Evil 3 demo on Monday. Don't forget to come join us. It's
1: going to be great. (laughs)
0: Um, if you ordered a physical copy of the Final Fantasy VII Remake, you might not get it on time due to COVID-19. Via Square Enix, the worldwide release of Final Fantasy VII Remake on April 10th will go ahead. However, with the foreseeable changes in the distribution and retail landscape which carries across countries, it is increasingly likely that some of you will not get your copy of the game on the release date. Um... We have a question from patreon.com slash what's good games from Anakin JMT. Is that a is that an abbreviation for a word?
1: Nah, or do we just idea. think it's
0: JMT? Uh, with physical games being delayed and digital being the only surefire way to get games on release, will this greatly accelerate the phasing out of retail's copies of the games? That's a great question. And like based off what's been happening with GameStop over the last couple of days, maybe
1: I think yeah. what might happen is people might understand that physical's great, but sometimes it ain't great. Yeah, they might, that's I think this that's might be like, the
2: catalyst or like, you know, like getting yeah. people mm-hmm. who were very like, no, I must have my physical copy to try digital and then they may like it. And then they it's get hooked. the gateway that's- drug.
1: That's what happened to me. I was like, oh, this is actually very convenient. I don't have to go anywhere. I mean, granted, I do love midnight releases. And, and in case you missed it, the Doom and um, Animal Crossing midnight releases have been canceled, which I guess isn't really relevant because I say it. That, that was yesterday for listening to this on Friday. But anyway, yeah, I think this could definitely open people's eyeballs. Be like, oh, this is nice. Yeah, I,
0: I think that, you know, we know that the march of digital and streaming is inevitable, but I still stand by that. It's tough for a lot of people to live in a digital-only world right now, especially when we have so many people that are, you know, maxing out their local networks. We've heard all kinds of horror stories since this work-from-home mandate and social distancing mandate has been laid out by several states, at least here in the United States. You know, I'm not even going to go into all of the other things that are happening in other countries. You know, this trouble that people are having getting on conferencing software getting the bandwidth that they've paid for because a lot of the isps were just not prepared to handle this different workload of um of bandwidth and like honestly like that's an indication that our isps in telecoms all over the world need to like keep up with the technology and it's it's wild that i'm saying that sentence out loud because they're the ones who are creating the tech But at the same time, I feel like they have the technology, but they're intentionally holding it back because they're trying to figure out how to charge as much for it as possible. And that just makes me feel gross.
1: Shake your fist. Yeah. Makes you feel better. Next up, CD Projekt Red has announced a new game set in the world of Witcher will begin development after Cyberpunk 2077 release. They also said they're still, quote, on track with Cyberpunk 2077 for September 17th, 2020. That team's working from home as well, so people are concerned about their video games, and they're like, it's okay. It's going to be fine. We're still on track. Uh, we have a question from patreon.com slash what's good games from Delilah Lugo. Do you think the new Witcher game is going to be a banger with Siri as the main protagonist or let down as a mobile game of sorts? They wouldn't hype it up just for a mobile game, right?
2: I'm abstaining from this question for because yeah. I used to Obvious reasons. Yeah. yeah.
1: So so just as
0: a reminder, you know, Stimer did used to work for CDPR. So let me take this one, assassina. <laughs> so here's the thing. It's very possible that this is a mobile game because I don't know if you remember how much they hyped up Gwent, but there's a very real possibility that this is mobile, and I think everybody needs to prepare themselves for that. Also, friendly reminder, there's nothing wrong with mobile games. Mobile games are great. There's a lot of awesome mobile games. Are there a lot of shit mobile games? Sure, but there's a lot of shit console and PC games too. Here's the thing. I think that it's important to manage your own personal expectations for what you want out of a game versus what developers want. And I think a perfect poster boy for this is what happened with Blizzard and Diablo. Like that team was very excited about the project that they were making for Diablo, but the audience was not because they had a specific expectation. And I think it's important to kind of mitigate your expectations as to what is realistic not only from a business perspective but also like what do the devs want to work on what was successful for them because they're a business too so not only do they want to work on stuff that's exciting but they also want to work on stuff that's profitable so like yeah it might be a mobile game that's being hyped up just like that because let me tell you i still get gwent press releases almost every other week
1: i hope it's i mean Nothing wrong with mobile games like Andrea said. I'm very excited for Diablo Immortal. I'm going to play it. It's awesome. But I think I uh, personally would be a little bummed. I mean, you think about the Witcher. You think of those big, expansive worlds and seeing what they're doing with Cyberpunk. Can you imagine them taking the Witcher universe and doing something with that? I think you can't help but feel excited about that. But yes, expectations should always be checked.
0: That said, let's be honest. They're definitely working on another like AAA Witcher game. Oh,
1: (laughs) give it all to me. Give it in (laughs) my face.
0: But knowing how long they supported The Witcher 3 post-launch and how long it took them between when we first heard about Cyberpunk 2077, which BT Dubs was a long time ago, to when it's coming out, like, don't anticipate playing The Witcher 4 for PC or console or Stadia or whatever streaming platform is going to be out in, like, 2027 for a long
1: time. That's all. All right, Sam or Baby Girl, you want to get this next one?
2: Shh. oh god thanks take us home Simon <laughs> alright via Kotaku during today's White House press conference the Trump administration's coronavirus task force response coordinator Dr. Deborah Burks, called on millennials to take the threat of infection more seriously why because they are quote part of the group that brought us innovation particularly throughout all of their ability to look around corners and skip through games <laughs> I always went by level Birx said I didn't realize you could go from level three to level seven. That's what they've taught us. They look for things we don't see. We need them to be healthy. It is uh, currently unclear which game Burks is talking about. Is
1: that, <laughs> is that a compliment? My favorite part I think is, it is their post-game. ability to look around corners. Like, and skip through games. I didn't realize you could go from level three to level seven. That's what they've taught us. Well, you I mean, can't I'm glad we've been useful on this planet, us millennial
2: folk. Um, Really just speed gaming is what she... Yeah, yeah. I really want to... I feel like someone showed this woman games done quick, but I don't know when or why they would have done that. I want to know what happened there. I need the story. She needs to tell us more.
1: I mean, for that to leave such a lasting impression that she would give that during a press conference. I, I mean, I wish I could see the look on her face. Like, what happened? Did someone wall hack? Maybe it was uh, Mario 3. Or Mario... Is it Mario 3 where you can skip the levels really easily? I think that might be the one.
2: Maybe, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, where you can... Like, the first level, you jump on those blocks and you create a little path and you walk up and then you get to warp zone. Anyway. Innovation! Innovation! Yeah.
0: <laughs> While AKA we're talking haxers. about this, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do want to make one shout out as kind of like a cool PSA where we're talking about how cool and awesome and nerdy gamers are and how science around gaming actually pushes Cool tech forward. Uh, if you guys missed it um, over the weekend, NVIDIA GeForce tweeted out, PC gamers, let's put those GPUs to work. Join us and our friends at official PCMR in supporting folding at home and donating unused GPU computing power to fight against COVID 19. So they have a whole Reddit thread about this. Essentially, what they're trying to do is use your PC power to help them. Find out data about the virus. So, on the Reddit thread says, "Coronavirus-specific GPU projects are now available at Folding at Home." So, this is a program that they've been doing actually for quite some time, and has been put to use for a variety of other, you know, diseases that are in need of some computing boost. We're talking things like Alzheimer's and other diseases that you know there's still a lot of uh, research happening in the medical field about. So if you guys want to join and donate your unused GPU and CPU computing powder to fight against coronavirus and suffer other illnesses like cancer, Parkinson's, etc., you can get the download on the Reddit site. If you go to NVIDIA's Twitter, they have a a, a link pinned at the top, so that's just at NVIDIA GeForce, and you can find the link there and, you know, get your PC Master Race cred and actually put it to work for a good cause. That's all. I just wanted to let you guys know that that's happening because it's cool. Technology is cool sometimes. And gamers do good things.
1: Always. They do bad
0: things, too. But mostly we want to believe that we're good. We're good. (laughs) Just Um, highlight the good shit. Yeah, the good stuff. That's what what's Good Games is all about. And on that note, let's take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, including Doom Eternal more yakuza i imagine some ori in the will of the wisps and of course roundguard which i didn't get to last week and more stick with us we'll be right back what's good everybody and welcome back at the second segment of the what's good games podcast This is where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events that we have been to. But spoilers, there's no preview events, at least for the time being. So the good news, though, is that there's lots of time to play video games at home. And this week, this segment is brought to you by ID Tech Camps. We know that many of you out there who have children are facing school closures and your summer plans, well, they're probably up in the air. ID Tech, the world leader in tech education experiences, or ID Tech if you are more of that kind of fan, just launched virtual tech camps to serve kids and teens who are stuck at home right now. They're structured week-long sessions that start as early as this coming week, and they're going to run all the way through summer, allowing students to build new skills, create awesome projects, and socialize with friends remotely. Plus, parents, you'll love how much you can accomplish while your kids are online with Camps. Together, we're all going to get through this. So now you guys have heard us talk about these awesome camps on the show before and while they absolutely have summer programs because of all the uncertainty around the pandemic that's happening in the world what's really great is that they've launched these new virtual camps as well So in case you guys don't remember, the ID Tech is one of the world's number one STEM programs for kids ages 7 to 19. Their rock star instructors transform your child's love of apps and video games. And yes, games like Minecraft, Fortnite, and Instagram. Um, Is Instagram a game?
1: Yes, it's definitely. (laughs) definitely,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Into a foundation for college, internships, and dream careers at companies like Google, EA, and Disney. Kids have a blast and build the STEM skills employers are desperate for. ID Tech was founded in Silicon Valley and today their programs are held at 150 prestigious campus destinations worldwide from Caltech to NYU to UPenn and Cambridge. Chances are you can find a location within driving distance from your house. Week-long day and overnight options are available as well with courses for all skill levels. In addition to their signature camps, ID Tech also offers all girls camps, pre-college it, or pre-collegiate, that's the word, pre-collegiate teen-only academies and advanced capstone experiences, plus year-round online private lessons. When you invest in your child today, tomorrow takes care of itself. So if you guys are interested in learning more about not only their in-person camps that are happening later this summer and into the fall, but also their brand-new virtual camps, you have to go to idtech.com. So that's I-D-T-E-C-H dot com slash what's good to reserve your child's spot. And you'll even get $75 off for being a listener of What's Good Games. So that's ittech.com slash what's good for $75 off your reservation. I-D-T-E-C-H dot com slash what's good. And you can hopefully get that kid that's been bothering you while you're working from home into something that's going to benefit their future. So I'm trying to decide, what's the first game that we talk about this week? Doom. I kind of feel Doom, like...
1: Doom. Doom. Doom?
0: Doom, Doom. Doom? Okay. <laughs> I was going to be like, do I talk about Round God from last week? Okay, Brittany, you've played Doom for like an hour.
1: For an hour. I put this in air quotes. So it's kind of... it's kind. Of, I wonder. I've, I've been thinking about how I'm going to phrase this all week. So I have nothing bad to say about Doom. I have absolutely nothing bad to say about it. I think it runs well... The shooting's fantastic. I get what you guys have said when you said it's like a puzzle when you shoot it cause you have to know when to chainsaw demons, when you have to slice them in half and melee them. But I think with everything going on right now, it's not meshing well with me. It's definitely an intense game, and it's not the kind of shooter you can just like turn on the easiest difficulty unless you're very, very, very good and just blindly go through it and kind of like lose yourself. You have to constantly be thinking about what am I going to do next? Where am I going to go? And so I played it for about an hour, and I loved Doom in 20, 2016. I think that's when it came out. I loved it, yep. and I know I'm going to love Doom Eternal, just like right now. I'm more into just losing myself into a game like Yakuza than playing Doom. Does that make sense? Yes. yes so 100%. that's yeah, yeah yeah so that's i'm gonna i'm gonna put, set it aside for now and then maybe when things calm down and i'm in a more chill there's because there's that constant like home of anxiety just always like there and for some reason i thought doom would be a stress reliever but for some reason right now it's kind of like making it a little worse because i don't like dying a lot um yeah Who and you're
2: playing it on easy and you're still finding it
1: no 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 i play it. what's the normal mode it's oh, okay um, Yeah, just
2: thought what do you have it's called Hurt Me Plenty.
1: Hurt Me Plenty because I want, I want to experience the strategy of it, right? Mm. And so that's the mode I want to play it on. And to its credit, when you do die, I feel like the checkpointing is very well. And it's not so frustrating. We're like, ah, oh, screw this. You want to throw the controller. No, you, like, you want to learn the level. You want to get good. And you want to learn the best way to get past it and I did that several times like yeah this is great and then I was like man I'm singing about Yakuza right now because when I play Yakuza I just completely zone and I zen and I forget about all the shit sh- the shit fire if you will that's happening in the real world so I'm gonna set Doom aside for now and then I'm gonna go back to it because I feel like that's only fair for the game
0: that I like I 100% understand so I streamed the first two hours of Doom on our Twitch channel so if you guys want to check that out you're more than welcome to but yeah it's intense. I mean Doom by itself like without everything that's happening in the world today isn't a very intense game and it is high fantasy graphic violence for the sake of being a video game and you know it as a company and Bethesda are not making any qualms about that not apologizing for it. They're like yeah it's a video game. It's like a super fantasy violent video game but it's demons and you're in hell and you're killing these terrible demons. And so I'm glad that they've committed to it and they've leaned in because it is a fantastic piece of game-making and it has always been, you know, the kind of... I think poster child for FPS gameplay and they, I mean, they helped create the genre to what it is today. I think with that it is without question. And I've been really enjoying the time that I've spent with it, but I'm with you that it's a lot. And I also, when I played doom 2016 could only play like about 45 minutes to an hour at a time. I will say doom eternal, as I mentioned in my preview coverage is more approachable than its predecessor was and i'm really glad that it took the time to make it more approachable but it's still like a really high intensity shooter
1: yeah yeah and i think that's just it when i played 2016 i had no problem whatsoever i just blazed through it i was like yeah this is fucking great and like i said i thought for sure this would be a stress reliever game but it turns out it's more of a triggering game right now because i just want to like i said zen and like not have to think about too much what i'm doing um but yeah
2: yeah, I mean, I, I haven't played it since the preview event that Andrea and I did, um, but I, I feel you on the it, – it's initially very – it's a much – wow, words. All right. Words are hard. <laughs> initially, I find it is an anxiety spiker, but then there was – once I felt like I was in a rhythm. In the groove of it. You were yeah. still – it's still intense, and I don't mean to discredit you in any way because I totally understand what you're saying. But it, it was sort of like an <laughs> active meditation, if that makes any sense. No, it's When what it I does. got into it, it was like, I'm so yeah. very much concentrating. I like, this drains you in a way like that a really mindless shooter will not because you are constantly like looking and managing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's. No, I totally get it. And then my nope. train of thought just derailed because I saw a Slack message pop up
1: on my computer. <laughs> no, uh, I know what oh you God. mean. I remember, yeah. like, even, like you said, 26c, jump. even on this one, the, in the hour I played it, like, when I was in the rhythm, I was like, oh, yeah, like, jumping from platform, then you turn around and you blast that fucker's face off, and then you go and you melee him, and then you get your shit, and then you go and you chainsaw that guy. It's very satisfying once you do get in that rhythm. But Yeah, I'm but just not... getting
2: there, it takes a little bit of yeah. time, and if yeah. you are already feeling slightly negative feelings in general about the world it's kind of it'll, it'll take a little longer to get there so like yeah get that.
1: i think some people will find it very meditative like you were saying but for some reason with me it's just not doing that right now but i'm excited yeah, sure. to play it later hopefully when the world isn't like i said a big shit fire
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, and I don't need to rehash everything I said. I already said this game is amazing. It's gave you the year material. If you mm. like first-person shooters and you want a way to blow up some steam, Doom Eternal is a phenomenal way to do so. The game looks great. I was playing it on PS4 Pro on the stream, and everyone's like, this isn't PC. And I was like, no, man, it just looks this good on PS4 Pro. So it's it looks awesome. Congrats to id and to Bethesda, and I hope that does really well for them because – it shows that they put a lot of love and care into this game, and it was super fun. Oh, that um, but so a game, good. yes, the music—I mean, it's probably one no. of the most iconic video game soundtracks that exists. Like the music of Doom, it's—it just pumps you up. It's like this metal, but it's not like too metally. I like it. Metal-y. It's like just enough. It's like, just enough metal. The Goldilocks just dash of metal. Of metal. <laughs> exactly. Um, But I do want to talk about Round Guard. So this is a game that I mentioned last week on the show. We just kind of ran out of time and I didn't get a chance to really fully talk about it. We did stream it. uh, When I say we, um, Anthony Carboni and I streamed a little bit of it um, on Tuesday. But I think he just was not in the mood to focus on a game that required a little bit of attention. And I also don't think he's (laughs) as big of a Peggle fan as I was. So just as a reminder, Round Guard is a Peggle roguelike RPG mashup from a small team called Wonder Belly Games. And it's available on pretty much every platform, I think. It's on Steam, Xbox, PS4, Switch, and on Apple Arcade. So I have a, a save that I'm playing on console and I have my it on my phone. And I love that it came to Apple Arcade because I love playing games like this on my phone. And essentially, if you liked Peggle and liked the gameplay of you know shooting you know like a little pinball and then you have to hit a bunch of pegs and you get a variety of points it's kind of like plinko ish and you like roguelike then i think this is going to be good for you so the, the first three characters they have a rogue a wizard and a barbarian
1: face tank. tank
0: yeah whatever the tanky warrior i think is his name um. So you have three characters, and then each of those characters has a special ability, much like the characters in Peggle had special abilities. In, I should say in Peggle 2. And I, right now, am really preferring the rogue. I thought I was going to go wizard for sure, but I like that the rogue kind of has like a double jump so you can save yourself if you are getting close to the spikes at the bottom of the of the map. So essentially what you do is instead of just hitting, you know, the pins in random order... You know, you have mana potions you want to hit. You have health potions you want to hit. And then you have a variety of enemies. And then as you go along, you'll pick up gear. And then each piece of gear will affect how you interact with the pegs on the board. One of the pieces of gear I, I picked up had this bubble effect. So if I got close to an enemy, I could hit my special ability and it would encase the enemy in a bubble so instead of me coming into contact directly with the enemy and losing health points, I would just bounce off of them like they were another peg. Yeah. And so it would allow me to hit more pegs around the enemies. And then after one turn, the bubble would burst and do damage on the enemies. So it was a really cool little piece of gear. And so as you go through each level, you'll clear, you'll pick up gear along the way. There's also many boss fights. But because it's also a roguelike, when you die and you run out of health points, you're done. And you have to start the run all over again. And that's the one part about the game that I'm not a fan of, and that's just because I, Andrea Renee, just doesn't like roguelikes, like uh, straight up. If yeah, you haven't figured that out about me yet by listening to the show, it's they're just not like thing. It
1: sounds like such a great concept, but yeah, in the same way, I, ugh, I do not like losing all of my progress and having to start over. Well,
0: it didn't feel punishing, okay. at least what, what I've played so far. It. I obviously did a run and like you pick up gear, but you still level up your characters and you still have fun. And like, to me, I I like the gameplay enough that it makes it fun to want to keep doing runs. It's why I love Archero, which is another mobile game that I've been playing that also was kind of like a roguelike hybrid where you just go on runs and you kind of see how far you can get. But then as you collect Items you level up, there's persistent level ups with your character. So then, when you go back in to do a dungeon run, you go in a little bit wiser and smarter and stronger, so you can get further and further and further through the dungeon. And then, of course, you start to look at strategy. And you know, and that's what's I think a little bit interesting about how they're bringing the RPG elements into the roguelike because there are some roguelikes that are just punishing because they're like, nah, you got to get good. And I'm like, okay, I'll get mm-hmm. good at something else then. Thanks, sir.
2: <laughs> Thank you for your time.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's just not for me. And you guys know that. that That's just not my gameplay. So I like that it has a little bit of the roguelike in there, but it doesn't feel like it's devastating. Like, it's not like a Darkest Dungeon kind of thing, you know, where you're like, oh, hi, I'm so bad at this. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's cool. I highly encourage you to check it out, particularly if you have Apple Arcade it's included in your subscription and it's a great platform to play it on but um thanks to the wonder belly team for um hooking me up with the code i um have really been enjoying it it's a nice game to play on my phone when i need to just relax a little bit
2: um, yeah i have timer. that one downloaded i just haven't had a chance to play it yet because i've been playing uh, other things yeah speaking of which what have you been playing so i finished a little game called yes your grace oh. um This was given to me. They gave me a code from their PR team. So thank you very much. Um, And it is sort of like a kingdom management sim. It's on Steam. So I played it on my PC. And honestly, honestly, when you're talking about games, Brittany, that are like not going to put you in a very good mood, this is kind of one of them, which is just because it's stressful, right? So yes, your grace is all you you are basically, there's an overarching storyline. Um, about Do you want me to read the little blurb? Yeah, go for it. So
0: this is from their from their PR team, and so the blurb says: "Yester Grace is a narrative-driven kingdom management game coming to PC and console in 2020, inspired by Slavic folklore. Yester Grace tells the tale of a medieval kingdom where monsters and arcane practices are just a typical day at the office. You are king of the land and are tasked with talking your villagers." Through their various problems from monsters attacking the village to a lack of places to relax and enjoy themselves.
1: So I'm looking at these headlines for Yester Grace, the ones that come up, it's punishing, overly bleak kingdom management. It's a kingdom sim with heavy choices. It's about the stress of managing a kingdom. I am like, dang girl. Yeah, they
2: I mean they <laughs> nailed the stress part for sure. But I did find both the characters interesting and the story interesting and so and it's not like a terribly long game. Uh, so I I was like we're, we're we're doing this we're gonna make this kingdom as good as we can and it really does make you feel at certain points we're like well fuck it i've already come this far like <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make some tough choices here and maybe feel like kind of a piece of shit but that's fine um like i sold one of my daughters off basically for marriage in this oh, one thing because i was like I need, you do i need your men you have a thousand men i need that sorry like i know that my daughter doesn't want this, but also this is kind of the age we're living in and I don't <laughs> know what else to do. I don't want all of us to die here. And that's, what's going to happen. So it's interesting. I don't know how many different endings there are. I felt like mine was okay. Um, that being said, there are specific plot points that I think happen no matter what you do. And then you as a player, like have to react to them in different ways, mm-hmm. uh, which I won't say, cause that would be major spoilers, but I found it a really fascinating little game to play and yeah, it does it does get a little stressful, but once you kind of just go, you know what, YOLO, like let's Yeah, let's this is here it's and it's not real life. Let's just let's make some choices and see how it goes.
1: Yeah, No More Robots is the developer. The founder, Mike Rose, he said that they made over six hundred thousand in revenue during its launch weekend and now they're on track to sell two hundred and fifty thousand units on Steam during its first year. So it's doing incredibly well. So, yeah, it's yeah, interesting
0: that this game reminds me so much of like old school adventure games in style because it's very much this like eight bit slash sixteen bit like kind of hybrid art style. And so when you look at the key art, the key art looks nothing like the actual gameplay looks. I'm actually kind of confused why their marketing team allowed them to go forward with this key art when like you get to the character models in the gameplay and it looks nothing the it's, same. I think yeah. it's it kind of has like a little bit of a sword and sorcery vibe for art style. But, you know, like, more high-res.
1: What's funny is they credit their key art for having great sales as part of it. Um, really? Yeah. There, I, I read an interview with him. I mean, he was very – maybe it was more on Twitter. He might have done a thread. But he was very public and transparent about what they did that they believe led to the success that they've had. And one of those things was the key art.
2: So yeah. Go. I mean, it yeah. does look like an old-school adventure game, which is part of why I was drawn to it when I saw – the art uh, in my inbox and see, I do check my email sometimes for what's good, good. job girl. Uh, and-, <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't play out really much like that. I mean, you do kind of walk around in a similar manner. It's, you know, it's a 2d screen. You just go from left to right and you're going through and you're mostly talking to people. And then at the end of every turn or every day is when you make the management's, decisions really like okay am i gonna take this person off payroll so that i have enough gold in order to do this thing but then i won't have them for the next turn so if somebody needs something i either have to give them gold or supplies or tell them to fuck off uh because i don't have the agent resources so it is a lot of like okay management systems which is very true with how does the
1: saving work can you save it like so you
2: uh it saves every day so basically when you commit when you go to end your turn you've made your decisions you've done everything you've talked to everybody you would hit save and continue or save and quit uh and then from that point on or you can just so what you can kind of do is what i was doing at the very beginning when i felt like i fucked up in one turn i just exited the game and then booted it back up and it would pick up from the next day and so you have to do replay most of what you've already you know that day's decisions but as someone like me and you, sometimes, Brittany, we get that way. And we're like, no, I must. Okay, what is, what is the optimal thing to do? Everyone I gave, must love me. Yeah, I gave that up uh, uh, like an hour in because I kept doing that. And I was like, I can't. I can't. This is going to take me four times as long to play this game if I keep doing this. So I, yeah. I did eventually was just like, okay, we're, this is kind of who the king is going to be. And these are the choices he will make in line with that. Yeah. But
0: yeah, cool. Me. Um, about how long do you think your whole playthrough took you?
2: I don't actually know. I Googled it online and it was like around eight hours. I feel like it was a little less than that for me, but I also could be wrong because I played it a couple ch- – like I played it for a few days like after work at night and then I played a longer chunk of time. So I honestly wasn't really paying attention uh, to how how long it took me. Mm. But
0: yeah, okay. overall that, that I liked very it. very reasonable. Yeah, it is. Cool. Um, awesome. So the other things that we've been playing before we get to Brittany going on again about how much she's in the live with a Yakuza. Um, <laughs> last week on the show, Rihanna was talking about Call of Duty's brand new free-to-play mode called Warzone. And within that, they have an additional mode called Plunder. And so she was talking such a big talk about this game that I was like, you know what? I really enjoy Call of Duty gameplay. Haven't really been successful in traditional PvP in Call of Duty. Why don't I try Plunder Out? And so we played a little bit over the weekend, and I loved it. And I didn't anticipate liking it as much as I did. But I think it's because I've always been a little turned off by the Battle Royale gameplay mechanic of playing as a solo person and then you just go around and try to shoot as many people as possible and then there's like a lot of camping if you play like I do. (laughs) where You like (laughs) just try to hide from everybody until you're forced to move when the circle moves. And I was just like, you know, this is not how I want to spend the time that I have to play video games. But when she said that it's You know, we play in a squad and it's objective-based and we're trying to just pick up as much money as possible and take out other teams with money. I was like, okay, I'm into it. And I just – I've really, really loved it. I mean, no surprise that, you know, Activision, the Call of Duty franchise, is nailing this Battle Royale mode. And it's just – the guns feel good and the map is great and it feels – big enough but not overwhelmingly large and there's cool vehicles that you can drive around and you could fly a helicopter which is super fun <laughs> it um, was really
1: fun watching you guys play it monday
0: oh thanks i'm glad i'm glad that you um you popped in yeah it's
1: if you yeah, guys want to talk about the archive you, girl, yeah
0: no no i mean like you m- me forcing you to to pop in you don't I mean, force uh, me i, I am spending time with you I am going to force you to play with me and Rihanna,
1: though. No, I want to. I was going to play them. Play them? Play with them. But I was having some weird crash issues on my PC, and I didn't have my consoles up here. And it was the whole thing. But it definitely looked more fun than the typical Battle Royale because, like you said, you're just trying to get money. And if I can just run around and collect money and try to stay out of the crosshairs of the opposing team, I'm good.
2: That's what I do every day of my life. Just run around, (laughs) collect money, and knock it shut. (laughs)
0: It's too real.
2: It's too real, everybody. Um, But yeah, it's super fun, and
0: it's free to play. And I spent money. I spent my own money buying a Battle Pass. I bought the Battle Pass bundle for science, mostly for customization options. Um, But (laughs) I decided to just do it because I was like, you know, Activision was kind enough to provide me with a code for Call of Duty Modern Warfare last fall when it came out. And that game was phenomenal and it's like, you know what? I really like this game and I'm having a lot of fun. Why don't I just buy the battle pass? And so now I think it's gonna like force me to play more because I've got skin in the game. And so I'm gonna level up my guns. And like any shooter that has a leveling mechanic that's free to play, in order to get the best weapons, you gotta you gotta grind. And I like that the money that you put into the game does give you XP boost, but you only get XP boost if you actually get xp by accomplishing tasks in the game they don't hand you anything for free Hmm. and the cosmetic items are really cool and they're not giving you access to like specialty scopes and things like that the things that really enhance your gameplay you still have to earn by just putting the the man hours in and so i feel like i have accomplished a lot in the like i think probably like six to seven hours that i've played which is not that much if you think about it That I've gotten to unlock several scopes for, you know, the SMG that I've been playing with. And I just, everything about it feels really well thought out and really well done. And I think it's, they announced it at a perfect time. And I don't know, you know, what their original launch plans were, if they were always planning to launch it right now. But just works out that a lot of people are at home right now Mm -hmm. playing video games. And it's free. So you can try it out for free if you guys are interested in checking out uh Warzone. Now I haven't played the regular Battle Royale mode specifically, but Gary Witta, if you guys know that guy, that guy has been bugging me to play some Warzone with him. And so there's crossplay by the way. So that's why Gary and I are going to be able to play together cuz he's playing on PC. So if you're on Xbox One, PC or PS4, you can play crossplay with your friends through mm-hmm. your Activision account.
1: If you don't have friends, they just announced solos. So you can oh, yes, I it. did. Yeah, you that was a brand new yourself. thing they announced. Boom. There you go. Super isolation mode. Super, <laughs> isolation mode. Super isolation mode.
0: It's for when you just want to keep all the money for yourself. Yeah. You don't want to share that money with anybody. Screws McDuck. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Get stacks and stacks and stacks of money. It's great. Um, but Britt, you have been on Duolingo for quite some time now. I remember when you first told us about your japanese learning expedition and how's it going i've actually heard from some other people that they have like leaderboards and Mm -hmm. they have achievements and things like that so um how's your time in duolingo going
1: it is going good so i've been doing duolingo now for about a year it'll be a year in may and i'm learning japanese and i think this also plays in part why i love yakuza so much because there's no english audio it's all in japanese with subtitles and so like it's fun to run around the city of Kamarocho and like look at all the uh, the signs and they're all in Japanese, like hiragana, katakana, and kanji. And it's fun like looking at it and like, oh I know what that means. That's a ramen shop. Woo! Um but no, it it duolingo's great. I would just wanna talk about it. It's a, if anyone has ever been interested in learning a the language, there are a lot of different programs out there, but I have found Duolingo to be great. It is free. Um, you can pay a subscription of nine ninety nine a month and it gets you some extra perks. Like you can download your lessons so you can do them offline, which is something I did a lot when I was flying to, to California to be with the ladies. But now that that's kind of a thing that's not happening, rip, um, but you also get, like, unlimited screw-ups, whereas, like, if you don't have the paid subscription after a certain amount of lessons, you're like, okay, take a break and come back later. But, no, I think learning a language is really good for a multitude of reasons. I think it trains your brain to just think differently outside the box, and it's a good way to expand your horizon. So they have several different languages. um, I'm also kind of dabbling back into Spanish because I took four years in high school and yeah, yeah, I'm realizing that I've obviously it's been 10 years forgot a lot of it, but it does come back to you and they're very, they're very good at easing you into it. So um, I justify it as a game of memorization. So that is what I'm currently playing.
0: That's cool. I've been wanting to download Duolingo. I actually think I have it on my phone, but I've actually never started and gone through the registration process because I also have been wanting to brush up on my Spanish as well. So having moved back to the Los Angeles area after being gone for a few years, I already knew that I needed to be more conversational in Spanish uh, when I lived here before. But now I'm like, yo, I feel like almost everybody is speaking Spanish in a way that I'm like, yo, I got to brush up. Yeah. My biggest problem was my biggest mistake was that I decided in college that I was going to transition to French <sighs> instead of Spanish. Cause I was took, I like you also took Spanish. In high I school. did the same thing, Andrea.
2: <laughs> really? And we're, we're both stupid.
0: <laughs> I know. I like, listen, like it was nice for the couple of years that I had talked to my really good friend, Dominique, who's Belgian and speaks French. But like now I'm like, yo, I live in California. I need just I need to know how to speak Spanish. Like I just do. And yeah. So, and so now I'm like, okay, I gotta get back to it. But now I'm like mixing French and Spanish together because they're from the same romance language tree. And so the grammar structure is identical. And I'm like, I'm I'm screwed now.
2: Oh dude. dude. So I did Spanish in high school, a little French in college, and then the last semester of college when I studied abroad. Uh, they didn't have a French class that I could slot into and I needed an elective and it was a business school. So the only other thing that was like general was a language. It's Italian. So now I have (gasps) Italian, French, Spanish rolling (laughs) all up in my brain. I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) <laughs>
1: it's, it's so you know the weirdest thing is learning japanese has brought out so much of the spanish that i learned 10 years ago because like you want to just jump to conclusions and like andrew is saying the grammar well the grammar in this case is obviously very different but it's insane how your brain just it wants to blend all of them together into one big mush pot and then you're like i so that's why i've only been dabbling in spanish because i can't do both at the same time because trying to learn The sentence structure and grammar of one language and then trying to do the other one, it just gets all sorts of complicated.
0: Well, and Japanese is one of the hardest languages to learn because, like, reading the characters is a whole other skill set versus speaking the language. And the intonation of Japanese is so different than English, particularly American English. So I applaud you, Britt. And thank you for inspiring me now that, you know, we're all home maybe So what we can do is
1: you can be friends on Duolingo and you then can see how much experience points you've earned as opposed to your friends. So we can compete. I know you like competition. Oh (gasps)
0: I do like competition. Why are you activating competition mode, Andrea?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know how to light a fire under her ass and that's the way to do it. Oh,
0: man. It's It's true. true. It's true. Okay. Okay. Now I – Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm ready. I'll reinstall it. I'll reinstall it. I'm ready to go. Um, cool. Well that's awesome. I'm glad that um I'm glad that you're having fun. I guess that makes sense that you're enjoying running around the oh, yeah. fictional world of Yakuza reading all the Japanese characters. It's the best. Um Cyber, do you want to talk about Ori?
2: Yeah. Uh I I'm assuming you guys covered a lot of it last week, so I won't, you know, maybe harp on it too much. But I have been playing it for a little bit and I'm I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it's just as charming as the original. I do have a gripe and that is they need to fix it so that you can drop the difficulty down if you feel mm. like it. Because I'm like now I'm like five, six hours in. There's, I'm not going back. But if there's a point where I feel like I'm going to get stuck, I'm going to be displeased that I feel like I will have to put the game down entirely instead of just adjusting the difficulty. Um, right but whatever you know that aside the thing that i've run into where i now put the game down is a weird hiccup where Mm. i'm going into like this really dark spooky swamp section of the game and you're supposed to fling yourself off of these bubbles that are bursting in the swamp and it works only like a quarter of the time for me and the other Mm. times it instead flings me backwards and it does a weird thing where I glitch, and so I glitch and Ori shoots up here, like to the top of the screen, and then does the drowning animation. Oh. as if I have it. And I'm like, what the what? Oh no. What's that happening
1: definitely here? sounds like a
0: bug. So it's, it's not a because matter of I've,
1: get good. It's a matter of there's an issue going
2: on. There's because I think I know what are you it in the,
1: only,
2: It sounds like you're in yeah. the Moldwood depth, right? Like in the where the darkness is. Where the yeah, I'm in like the dark spooky swamp trying to get to The owl, the baby owl, my friend, Koo. Oh, you're in the silent woods. Silent woods. Yeah, I'm in the silent woods. And yeah, there's like the weird bog of eternal stench bubbles. And for the most part, when when I was like, okay, this is how it works. And you fling yourself off. And it was working. And then all of a sudden, it stopped working the same way. And instead, just like flings me to my death somehow. And I (laughs) don't understand it. And I'm like, I... Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what do i don't know this is a beautiful game i want to keep playing and i feel like i'm stuck i'm hoping that i just leave it alone for a while and then i go back and then it's fixed somehow i don't know have Tur- you tried hard resetting the game I have like hard
0: resetting your console because sometimes that fixes bugs in the game
2: from what i've seen particularly on xbox i'll try that yeah because um ori and the blind forest is one of my favorite games so I would like to finish Wool of the Wisps, but we shall see if I can get yeah, so
1: the stamp swap. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah,
0: that was my big gripe last week. My only gripe actually, because this game is phenomenal in pretty much every other way. It's that I started I was about three to four hours in and I stopped and started over on easy. And it's still been a challenge because the jumping puzzles and the traversal puzzles don't get easier if you're on easy. They're still just as difficult. It's just the combat is easier and because of that, you know, it makes it not as brutal to try to progress through the world. And I'm so glad I did because it's still challenging and I still have to do a lot of sections over and over and over again to get through them. But I cannot imagine doing it with like half the health. Or, like, crazy fewer hit points or not getting my upgrades as fast. Because I'm, I'm really I'm really glad that I did it. Not that I'm encouraging you to start over. Oh, but I'm not that going was, to. And, and, yeah. and again,
2: I, I wouldn't even be having an issue except – I mean, this has to be a bug. Like, Yeah. Because it works, again, like I said, a quarter of the time. And then the other three quarters of the time, it just kills me. And so I'm like, this mm-hmm. kid – it's not consistently doing a thing, so I don't understand what the yeah. mechanic is supposed to be. I'm pretty sure I understand what the mechanic is supposed to be, but I don't know. Um, it's a it's a weird thing, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I haven't found... The combat can be difficult, but it usually is just a matter of pausing and paying attention to like the pattern of whatever it's doing and just trying to avoid it, which I don't yeah. always have the most patience for, but once i did it was okay now i'm at the point where i still i have like a fuck ton of health because i bought and upgraded like one of the the shards um so now i have two extra health bubbles an extra mana bubble so like my my bubble meters doing pretty okay <laughs> that's not really the issue it's just a a matter of of making it through man but mm, yeah. hopefully they'll
1: put out a patch or maybe a few hard reset. or yeah like or if reset. i hard
2: reset i'll try the hard reset and see if that fixes it but um it's such it's such pretty game. But it is also again, one of those games that's really deceiving. So when you look at it, if you were somebody who does not know Ori at all, the series, you'd be like, "What a beautiful charming little platformer. Bet this is going to be a real nice relaxing time." <laughs> nope. This is uh, this will absolutely knock you on your ass. Uh, the like Andrea mentioned, not only is the traversal a challenge, uh, the combat can be a challenge. This this is a challenging game. Do not let the art style fool you, and that's not a bad thing. But it's just don't go it into it so thinking cute. that you're gonna just it's all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> it's definitely not. Yeah.
0: Well, and the way that the traversal puzzles ramp up once you get into the latter half of the game, I'm about like seventy five percent of the way. Cause, like I'm getting close. I'm getting close to the end. Um. I mean, as far as, like, the progression of the story, there's still plenty of collectibles that I haven't picked up yet. But um, there's just, like, you have to really get creative. And I had to look up a couple of walkthroughs because I was just kind of banging my head against the wall being like, how do I do this? And there was just a couple of that I just wasn't executing. They're like, no, you're doing the right thing. You just aren't executing. And that's why I really encourage people who, you know, are interested in Ori and the Will of the Wisps to not, you know, beat yourself up if you want to play it on easy. There's, again, baby-ass baby mode is a way of life for us here at What's Good Games. There's no shame in it. And, like, I really want as many people as possible to experience this story. And because they have pretty restrictive accessibility options compared to other games in the genre right now, I really just encourage you to just start on easy. And then if you think that... It was great, and you loved it. Go back and play it on hard and challenge yourself. But it's just so beautiful, like you said—the the art, the music, the story—all of it's great. And the the level design is so innovative in a way that I haven't seen in a really long time. And it's just so well done. And i this is the game, Brit. When you talk about being stressed out by the world and you want to put something on, I think that I can put it on, and I. I can get lost in it because I'm playing it on easy. And while I have definitely had moments of I've had to set the controller down and walk away because this traversal puzzle <laughs> just had me either stumped or I just kept messing it up. It's like I wasn't getting like the, the triple jump with the boost done in the right order. And I knew it was my own fault with like fat thumbs or whatever. I was just like, okay, you take a break. Step
1: away, come back but later. What's gr-
0: yeah, but what's great about it is that like I still, love going back to it because the it's so immersive and so beautiful and so well done and like hats off to moon and to microsoft game studios for making such a, a fantastic piece of video games
1: yeah yeah
0: and i think that's probably gonna do it for us for this week for hands-on um we had a uh, Great time chatting with you about what we've been playing. Of course, I've also been playing the Division Two. There's more Destiny Two happening for me. I know that Brit's playing more Yakuza, and you know Steimer has been watching tons of LCS, um, as she has mentioned on the show before. And we will talk more about. Oh, some no, no, I stuff meant I was actually week. playing it. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Can you like sherpa me through some mm-hmm. games? I think I'm ready to. I think I'm ready to go back.
1: Yeah, we can try yeah. in
0: Cool, but I know that next week you guys are probably both going to be talking about Animal Crossing. Let's be honest. Oh fuck yeah!
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's it. My Yakuza days are coming to an end because we got RE three coming up, which I anticipate the review code hopefully coming mm-hmm. late next week if I'm lucky, and Final Fantasy sevens coming up, and Animal Crossing. So I'm getting all my Yakuza in while I can. I mean, oh no, woe is me! I have to play Final Fantasy seven, Resident Evil three, and Animal Crossing. Oh no.
0: Oh, it's oh. such a tough life you have, Brittany. Oh, it's, it's
1: rough, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> so excited for these next few weeks. Oh,
0: All right, when we come back, we're going to be talking about our Patreon voted segment. Stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. good everybody and welcome back it's the final segment of the what's good games podcast and this week our feature segment is all about our patreon produced and polled and voted that's right we have a topic that is going to be a really fun discussion and we're going to get to that in just a second because i want to tell you it's brought to you by me undies We love undies here at What's Good Games. I've been tweeting about them. We've talked about them for over a year now. And I'm incredibly thrilled to say that they are doing something incredibly special for International Women's Month. So if you guys didn't remember, it's Women's History Month. And Undies wants to take a moment and just shout out all the women that inspire them every day. And yes, that means you, listener out there, fan of What's Good Games, this Women's Month, which should be every month, honestly, <laughs> it's their mission to motivate all the women around them to embrace and show up as their full, oh, excuse me, embrace and show up as their full, unfiltered self. Undies believes self-expression is so powerful and they want to encourage all women to live that every day. Me MeUndies thinks that you're Heroic just as you are. So what I really love about what they're doing for Women's Month is not only has MeUndy's been a fantastic leader in showcasing all different kinds of models in their ads and reminding us that human bodies are varied and different and come in all shapes, sizes, and colors and ages. But for Women's Month, what, they're, what they did is that they had this fantastic Um, mash-up with Wonder Woman, which, of course, is a great brand from from DC all on its own. So if you guys haven't seen the Wonder Woman Cross uh, cross, uh, Women's History Month collection that they're doing, they've got bralettes, they've got panties, they've got all different kinds of underwear and socks, and you can check that out at MeUndies.com slash WGG. And what I think, you know, I don't even know if I need to keep telling you guys how great MeUndies are. I was wearing my MeUndies onesie yesterday.
1: I was wearing my Star Wars pajama bottoms yesterday. They're so comfy. They Mm. cozy. Very nice.
0: They're super cozy because they're the softest things to ever grace your booty. That's because they're made with micromodal, a magical, sustainable, soft-as-heck fabric made from trees. Yes, trees, you guys. And that makes your Bits... Feel like they're floating on a cloud. And of course, as we mentioned, we've got a special offer for What's Good Games listeners. For first-time purchasers, you're going to get 15% off plus free shipping. And this is a no-brainer, especially because they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you guys aren't happy for whatever reason, then you could just send it back and get something different. I will give you a little insider pro tip. I size up in everything from MeUndies with the exception of the onesies because they're just a little baggy as design, you know, onesies. But whenever I get the underwear and the bralettes, I size up when I order John, the boxers for men, we size up as well because they're a little bit snug because of the micromodal fabric. It's super soft, but it also is just like a little, it clings to you a little bit. So if you want something that's a little looser fit, just recommend sizing up a little bit. Um, And you can do so with 15% off your free order, your free order, your first order with free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Again, that website, com slash WGG, com slash WGG. And just as a reminder, we know that there's lots of offers on the internet out there. If you go and use our link, it helps support everything we are doing as a woman-owned business for Women's History Month here at What's Good Games. So thanks to me, Andy's for being a great partner and for always making an effort to make people feel more included. And their collection for Women's History Month is no exception.
1: You nailed that read, baby girl. Ah,
0: thanks, Brit. And speaking of nailing reeds, no, uh, that, that's, <laughs> what, that's a weird, that's a weird, that's a weird transition.
2: Out. Not at all. Not all segues work. Exactly.
0: <laughs> One of the things that we like to do when we are featuring our Patreon produced segment is shout out our fantastic Mythic members and above. We've been doing this patron shout out since What's Good Games launched back in May of 2017. And if you guys are keeping track of the calendar, our next anniversary is coming up soon. Hot day. We're going to be announcing what we're going to be doing for our anniversary soon. Hashtag soon. But until we get to there, we want to say thank you so much to all of our fantastic supporters at patreon.com slash what's good games. And now we're going to read a bunch of names. Are we going to mispronounce most of them? Probably. You guys live for that, don't you?
1: What order do we want to go in here, ladies? Just, You're going to
0: start. I've decided. All right. Simon's going second, and then I'll go third.
1: Ah, <clears throat> uh, Chewy's Godson. Adriana Rock
0: Williams. Al Tribesman. Alberto Andreas Videla. Alex Rigopoulos. Alexander David. Alex Kohler. Andrew Cotton. Ariella Furman, Bing Zoom pow. Bill Still. Oh, <laughs> That was me. <laughs> That's my fault. Brendan Clark. <laughs> Brian Harper.
2: Brian R. Johnson. Carl Peterson Chip Bigelow Chris Wilson Krister Landmark Christopher Pintas Chai Jackson
1: Burgess Daniel Hull Derpy, 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 <laughs> uh, <laughs> derpy,
0: derpy, derpy, der Devon <laughs> Nitz <laughs> Donato the III E. Benjamin Checkness Elizabeth Brooke Elmo
1: Shell, Emily Kent Eric C.
0: Irma
1: Ferris Tre.
0: Gary Peck. Gio Corsi. Gregory
1: Holton yeah.
2: Ivan Bejarano. Jacob Ernest Jake Sue. Jared Coomer.
1: Jared Howard. Jasmine Lee Sainza.
2: Jason Demers. <laughs> that
1: guy. Uh, Jessica Bloom. Joe Kennison. Joe Schleif Joe Wilson. John Drake. Jazan guy. <laughs> Justin Foshi. Justin Fuss. Justin Salimo. We have a lot of Justins. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Stimmel. Kevin Kumacki. Kia B. Kyle Kaiser. Lucas Shaney. Marco Anteveros. Marcus Brown. Mark Drastrup. Martha
0: Emery. Matthew Goder. Matthew Simpson. Melanthius Owens. Michael S. Michaela Sange. Muhammad Mohammed, Molly Bittner. Bui Nathan Watkins, Nathaniel Shoun, Shu
1: Nicole Humphrey,
0: Noel Navarez
1: Ozzy Mejia, Paige Poulson, Patrick Higgins,
2: Patrick Landry, Patrick Willa, Pete Shoemaker, Philip Dreher, Practify, Pirulu Octopus, <laughs> R.J. Bryan,
0: Rigan Impson Rob Leonard, Robert Adams, <sighs> Limbala,
1: Sean I. <laughs> Sean Stevenson. Stephanie Fitzwilliam. Tara Bruno. My Mama, Teresa Enert Throw Seven.
2: Timothy Bennett. Tony Shea. Trent Berry. Trent Pennington.
1: Trevor Starkey. <laughs> Trulie Travis.
2: Tyler McCall. <laughs> Tyler Phillips. Will Collum. Will Hernandez.
1: Yasun Kajenomai. And Zach Hershey Kiss.
2: Thank you so much
0: to all of our Mythic patrons and above. If you would like us to shout out your name awkwardly on the podcast every month, you can go to patreon.com slash what's good games. Lucky you.
1: Take it away, Britt. All right. So this segment comes from, like Andrew was saying earlier, patreon.com slash what's good games, where our patrons can submit and vote on topics they want us to talk about every month. And this month, Marcus Brown got the winner. And the topic is... Have there ever been any games that you've played that made you question how you play games in general?
2: This is a question that can be taken in a multitude of ways. Yes. Um, I think the first thing for me that came to mind was mostly how my gaming habits have changed as I have gotten older and Mm -hmm. how playing games then versus now is much different. Um So, for instance, when I hopped back into Guild Wars 2 recently, or honestly, any of the MMOs I tried like, t- to go back to, <laughs> it just made me realize, not necessarily question, but it made me realize how different my playstyle is now. And even if a really great MMO came out tomorrow, I just don't think I had the same time or dedication that I once did to video games in general in order to really invest in that and in that style when it was something that I, I mean, I did a lot of before, obviously I have a lot of hours to prove it.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Cause you were big into your MMOs and I applaud you for hopping back in recently to at least try them again.
2: Yeah. I i definitely wanted to give them a try, but it did make me question like how I, how I used to be when I was younger a little bit. It's just like, wow, this is all really different. And even honestly, Ori, has been an interesting thing because my life was so different when that, when the blind forest came out and my living situation was different and everything was different. And, uh, so it's kind of interesting to play that game now in a completely new setting place in my life, like time in my life. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you in the sense that I think it's changed as I've gotten older, but I was, you know, just in the last segment talking about playing Call of Duty Warzone's Plunder Mode, and I had a moment when I was playing on stream the other day with um, with Endorphins and Lucigen when I saw a strat from another team, a, str- a strategy that they were using in this Battle Royale mode, right? And I was like, I never contemplated that. And I had this existential moment where I was like, have I been playing first person shooters wrong my entire life? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and it just, it, it reminds you just how different it is coming in as a casual player going, I'm just here to like shoot a gun and have some fun. And if I can't get some money, and we play it's cool if we don't, whatever. But I was like, no, actually like there's a lot of like pretty easy strategies you can implement to actually use the tools that the developers have built into the game for your success, but you have to actually try to use them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, you do.
0: And I just like had this moment where I was like, you know, there's so many of these perks and abilities and things like that that I never fully researched or looked at, and I think one of the things that really kind of stuck with me was looking at the perks of of the guns and going, you know, I never really knew what handling meant as a stat on weapons because when you, if you play shooters, all guns have a variety of stats and they have like handling, reload, stability, et cetera, et cetera. But most of the time, if you're a casual player, you don't really dig into the stats and what the finite differences of. It's not like you know frame rate counting with the FGC, right? It's like, like that intense, but it still like makes a difference knowing what all those different stats are. And I was like, you know, I really never stopped to think about how those stats are going to affect my gameplay and my, in the way that I engage with other people in a combat heavy game. And I think, you know, it really led me to think of destiny as being the only shooter that I've ever played where I felt like I was very comfortable with knowing what all of those stats meant and being able to know what a bullet spray pattern is going to look like from a gun with, because of the stats that it had, and that's because of the sheer amount of hours that I put into that game. But it was a kind of this realization for me as a gamer to be like, have I just been overlooking this incredible game design in all of these games
1: I've been playing my whole life? Am I really the fake gamer girl? Everyone says that I am. No, Fake gamer girl. Don't out us, Andrea. Come on.
2: Oh my- oh, that's actually interesting, Andrea, because, um, that makes that does make me think of league and again disclosure i work for riot but i even when i first started playing i obviously did not um and me being like baby noob league player had zero idea about a lot of things that are just really core functions of the game (laughs) like wards like the rift herald like like these are things if you are just starting in league you don't really you shouldn't focus on them immediately you should focus on like just getting the mechanics of a champion down and learning how to do that but that's it's funny you should say it because yes i I was like i started when i started watching lcs and pro plays when i started to learn about shit i should have known and i just kind of was like oh no (laughs) I have been I'm so bad at this holy shit like I knew I was bad but I didn't have a benchmark for how bad I was until I started watching them and I was like oh
0: shit. well I mean don't beat yourself up too much you can't compare yourself to teams that are playing in the
1: LCS no I, mean, I know but even just like general play. knowledge they make it look so easy it's like yes. of course they think of those things uh, I guess for me, my first the first game that comes to mind is Super Mario RPG, which I played when I was seven. And that was my very first turn-based RPG game I'd ever played. And I remember never quite understanding it. Um, I didn't know what the fuck it meant to grind for experience points and level up and increase your strength and HP and any of that. And so I'll never forget, I could not get past the first boss. And I called my aunt, because um, my grandma and my aunt play games, and they helped guide me as a wee lass and she explained to me the concept of of grinding for XP and getting stronger and taking on the boss. And ever since then, I've, I've been hooked on RPGs. I've said before, that's my bread and butter. I love turn-based RPGs and JRPGs. They just usually are very big time sinks, and it's very hard to spend time doing that, says the girl who's been playing Yakuza for three games straight now. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I think between all those games, I probably put in like 110 hours. Since I've been home from PAX because I've been sick and sitting on my ass. Anyway, priorities. Um, So I would just say, first of all, Super Mario RPG because that's when I discovered RPGs and how I just love that formula so much. And then the other major game that I'd say would have to be Dragon Age Origins because that was the first game I'd ever played where your choices have major consequences. I remember Twitter had just came out. And I think that game came out in what, like 2010, 2011? 2009, right around there? Origins? 2009, I think, is right. Okay. And someone had tweeted uh, that they had said something to a character in their party, and it turned out it was, um, I don't know who it was, actually, and that that party member just left. They left the party. And I was like, what? Like, what do you, how can that happen? How can you piss someone off in your game so much that they leave your party and they're forever gone? And I didn't understand, you know, how choice and consequence could be such a big thing. Now, you know, obviously with Bioware, that's kind of like what they do. Uh, But I think knowing that your choices have consequences and the way they made all those characters feel so alive, you know, for back in those days, the fact that you could complete a quest then go back to camp and talk to them and they'd have something new to say. It felt like they were some of the first party members that actually were like real people. They had different opinions and they had different viewpoints on a lot of different things. And sometimes you could flirt with them. Hello, Alistair. Uh, And I would say ever since that game, whenever I play an RPG or play a game with multiple characters, I'm always looking to go back to them and talk to them and see if they have anything new to say about the story, depending on what's happened. And if they have nothing important to say, it's a real big pet peeve of mine now. So like, if you know, we defeat a huge boss, and I'm like, yeah, guys, tell me how good I did. Tell me about what you think about that. And they have nothing to say. And they're just repeating the same thing they said from like three hours ago. It's a major like er of mine and that's because i played origins and it (laughs) left a lesson why don't you have anything to say why don't you have anything to say to me do you know what i just did i just did a really cool thing and all you can do is tell me about the weather i don't know
0: yeah but But does that, that question how you play games in general
1: i would say so well well i mean again they can interpret this in a lot of ways right now how i play games if again like if i have multiple characters in my game i'm always trying to interact with them to see if they have something new to say about it so Mm, it's not like a huge thing but it's very it's very like on paper not a big deal but in my mind it's a very important mechanic to me
2: oh no it's for for me as well and when you were talking about what i uh like you know your first rpg i actually went and thought about it too and i was like wait a minute i obviously love rpgs now but thinking about when i played as a kid i didn't play any rpgs i played platformers i played adventure games i played strategy games and I played pets because I'm a baller. Oh, dude, pets. Yeah, you do. yeah I played pets too. <laughs> Fuck yeah, breeding those things. Oh, but so I think my first actual RPG was Mass Effect. Oh, and, wow. And I I still have the distinct memory of... And I don't know why. I think I was like, RPG, yeah, I like that. But I don't... Actually, thinking back, I'm like, I don't know that I had a basis for that at all. <laughs> I think I just liked space. I, th- I think AMI that works. And look what uh, happened. Yeah. And so that was definitely a game where it made me question and then love all rpgs because i never had played that way before uh, but it was everything i had ever really wanted and didn't know that i had wanted yeah um so that's kind of cool
1: yeah it's it's good and it's bad because i feel like since i since origins left such a big impact on me i keep kind of expecting to get that same amount of feedback and that same feeling from characters in games where they're gonna you know act and talk and react to the world around them and if they don't yeah it's It's just a thing. It's a thing with me. It's error. I just get mad. I guess the
0: good news for you, though, Britt, is that how RPGs have evolved since Origins is quite dramatic in that they're so more robust now because the technology allows developers to build more into games than they ever could have previously without, like, a gargantuan budget. And so I think it's interesting kind of looking at the evolution of, like, kind of where that stemmed from for you to, like, where it is now. Because at least now I think most developers are conscious of that and try to make sure that they do narrative development around those characters knowing that people are going to look out for those things, whereas before it was forgivable. Mm -hmm. There's so many things, and maybe that's even, like, a whole other topic, like things that we forgave in games like a, even a decade ago that we don't forgive in games now
1: right because your perspective yeah. has changed even playing yakuza when i'm talking to someone if they have nothing to say i'm like you bastard it kind of tears down <laughs> that wall for me i know it, it's not yeah, good. no it does it
2: breaks immersion a little bit right especially yeah. i mean mostly after a major plot point or something has happened where you feel right. like they would naturally say something if they were a real human being um <laughs> That's when you're like, oh, right, this is just a video game. And that kind of sucks to have those moments because you do, especially in times like these, want to lose yourself a little bit more in them and feel feel at home in some way. Just like, yeah. I'll just pretend to be over there for a while. It's cool. Be my virtual friend. Yes. Why are my virtual friends so shitty?
1: <laughs> Why don't you talk to me? Why don't you engage in conversation? Why don't you, you just listen repeat? about my problems? Because <laughs> that's what my dog's for. And my husband. Yes. <laughs> But
0: yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to touch that one. I was just going to let it go. <laughs> it's okay.
1: <laughs> Don't it ever inter- let it go.
0: No, it was interesting. Just as like one other thing that I noticed about some of my gameplay is, um, you know, kind of thinking back to games that you used to think that you were really confident in or really good at, and then now you try similar games and you're like, wait, I used to be like really good at that. Like I was thinking about how at PAX East. I went by the Three Fields Entertainment Booth and played Dangerous Driving 2, which I you know, talked about on our panel, the team from Criterion that made Dangerous Driving, you know, kind of the burnout-esque game, arcade game, arcade racer. And I used to play so many arcade racing games that I was really, really good. And I'm still pretty good with some practice, but like, not like I used to be. <laughs> but I think it r- reminds you that like, there's a time and a place for certain types of games in your life. And so when you think about this question that Marcus had about, have there ever made any games that you've played that have made you question how you play games in general? I think sometimes I question the types of games I play in general, more so than specific mechanics in, j- in games. Like my skill in a game is different to me than the kind of game that interests me and keeps me engaged. because. Let's be honest. I'm like shit in a lot of games that are really interesting to me, <laughs> um, because I, I want to play regardless of if I'm good at them or not. But it's way more fun when you're good at it. <laughs>
1: yes. Usually, mm, yeah. I would. I mean, I've never played the Dark, the Souls games, but I would say it's questioned the way I play games in general. Since I just say fucking. If anything's like a Souls type, I'm like, nope, no, not for me. I don't want to get angry today.
2: Um, so yeah, I the, yeah, the Souls game were an interesting toe-dipping for me because I did try all of them for like a couple of hours and just... It, it didn't make me question me as much as everybody else <laughs> and just wondering... Or I guess it is a little bit me. of just wondering like why I'm so wired clearly so differently than all these other people because they see this as a really big challenge that then when they overcome it, they feel very accomplished whereas I just... Mm-hmm. Don't enjoy feeling like I'm beating my head against a wall, even if at the end of the day I get through it. To me, the time required to get there is more of a time lost for me than it is any sort of time gained. Exactly. And I, I, get their mindset of like I'm learning or I'm doing this, but just personally, I, I'm not motivated that way, and I feel like I would rather read a book or I would rather go outside or I would rather talk. Like I would rather do other things with my time than that. Um and if I'm gonna learn something, maybe I should download Duolingo instead and just there fucking do that. Like, like so to me it just made me that those games definitely gave me a bit of an existential crisis of like, <laughs> am I the crazy one? Like it <laughs> seems like so many people really like this shit and I don't like it at all. And I I don't know, I don't get it.
1: Yeah, that and roguelikes for me. I've learned that I do not enjoy a roguelike. Um I, I just detest the feeling of losing all that progress and having to start f- from scratch because I feel like that's time lost. You know, like you're saying, though, some people love that feeling. To them, it's an accomplishment. To them, it's a challenge. They can't wait to overcome. And to me, I feel like I accomplished nothing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, think I think it's, it's like the skill-based skill part of it, right? Right? Hmm? There's there's that, and I think when you're young, you don't mind the time wasted as much. Or oh, no. <laughs> I not, shouldn't say time wasted, but like...
0: I mean, it is. I really wasted, do. I really do. There
2: I mean, it is. But, but there's lots of ways to waste your time. Um, truth, truth. So there, there's that whole concept of like time feels very long when you're young and very short as you get older. I mm-hmm. feel that a lot right now. Um, I feel like back in the day, it didn't I? Didn't mind running through levels or like doing things that were really difficult. Spending all of my time in a game, I didn't mind. I felt like I had all the time in the world. Now I don't, right? I feel much more like there are other things to manage with my time. And that is when I lose patience with a game like that. And that is when I do tend to now I'm giving myself permission to play things on baby ass baby mode, because if I want to experience it, but I just don't have that time and slash mental fortitude to want to play it in that way, I shouldn't be punishing myself for that when I'm just at a different stage in my life. Yeah. Amen. Amen.
1: Oh, that was a good conversation, ladies. Yeah,
0: it was. Thanks, Marcus, for writing in. If you guys want to submit ideas for us to chat about in our Patreon produced segment, if you're like, you know what? I would really love to hear what the girls have to say about this topic We submit for, not submit, but we request you guys' topics once a month for our Patreon produced segment at patreon.com slash what's good games. It helps support everything we do here at WGG. We would love to hear from you. Uh, So thanks again, Marcus. And uh, this was really fun. It was a really nice little chat. It was. Yeah. Yeah, And on that note, I think we all should go play some video games or maybe take a nap or do some laundry or go clean up whatever mess your child has made because they're there when you're working from home just pestering you every day. (laughs) Um, But hopefully you are able to take a moment, take a deep breath and go, you know, everything's going to be okay. The world is a little wild right now, but we still have video games and it's something that we can all share and love together. And just a friendly reminder, if the stress of the world is really weighing down on you, because it's weighing down on all of us. Weighed down on me a lot last week, which a lot of you picked up on. Um, Don't forget about Take This. I've been saying this to everybody. TakeThis.org is a great place to go when you're like, my anxiety is high. I feel panicked. I feel scared. I feel angry. And video games are helping, but they're just not enough. Our friends at TakeThis.org are always there, because don't forget, it's okay. To not be okay. And that's what I'm going to leave you with. Hopefully you'll have a better day tomorrow. And tonight, go play some games. Drink some drinks. Eat eat some chocolate.
1: Oh, that's you. Yeah.
0: Goodbye, everybody.